Welcome to School of Everything Else. Raising a Geek Child, Volume 2. Welcome back to our podcasts on raising children in a world where for the first time in history we are in an era where parents care just as much about movies, video games and animated TV shows as their kids do. We can take more of an interest in what they're into rather than separating ourselves out from them and thus strive to understand and bond with them a little better. That's what raising a geek child really is because children are geeky by nature anyway so really it's raising a child as a geek and nurturing rather than condemning or ignoring their passions. And we have another round of parents ready for interview. Jesse Ferguson, father of Connor, age 10, and Erin, age 15. Hello, hello. James Batchelor, father of Freddie, age 20 months. Hello. Matt Wardle, father of Scott, age 12. Hello. Brittany Bow, mother of Haley Bow, aged 8. Hi there. And Mike Hearn, father of Lily, aged eight, and Violet, aged three. Hey, how's it going? Hello. So for our first question, let's go back to the very beginning. If you could have been told two things about having a child ahead of time, what would they have been? I have one. Go for it. Your children are going to pretend like they're not into what you're into, but I assure you, they are. Huh. My daughter constantly told me that because I was a singer that she would never ever ever sing and yet she's constantly writing songs and doing things that she thinks I don't know she's doing in her room but I can hear all of it (laughs) and she resisted video games for a very long time too Ah. funny I've got exactly the opposite I'm an illustrator Um, both my wife and I are are, uh, visual artists uh, in in different fields and uh, I was worried about pushing the kids to be artists they, they didn't have an intention to but you know you worry about stumbling down that you know do as your parents do kind of a thing and um without any great encouragement at all my eldest for sure she's she's actively pursues it and and uh tries to get me to teach her how to draw like properly in quotations like she wants to learn not just not just imitate which i find very interesting yeah, Haley's just secretive about it. She doesn't. She's not forthcoming about the fact that she really loves doing all of the same things I do. <laughs> Neat. I wonder if that's a father-daughter, mother-daughter difference. I think it might be. It could be. Could mm. also be an age thing. I don't know how long she's been doing that, but eight, nine years old is is the real sort of forming identity, choosing who they want to be, picking things that <laughs> deliberately don't match because they don't want to be like <laughs> mom and dad because mom mm. and dad aren't cool. <laughs> Yeah, she did that from like four to seven, and oh, now okay. She's to, okay, maybe these things that you're into, you're into for a reason. Maybe. See, a while ago, it became no longer cool to say cool. Is it now cool to say cool, or is it not cool? I think it's probably okay cool. to say cool. <laughs> yeah, ask a group of cool people. Yeah, try again later. Because it's not cool. Wrong audience. <laughs> Because cool people know that they're cool. Okay, so uh, other things that you could have been told of, uh, ahead of time, uh, like things that may have caused you anxiety that like, if you could jump forward into the future and go, it's all right. 
not really it's... anxiety, but like two things I kind of wish I'd been told is the simplest things in terms of like your your own pastimes, your own pleasure, like stuff that you you do to unwind, are going to take three times as long now. It took us. It took us three hours to watch one episode of Game of Thrones because Freddie just kept waking up and screaming when um, this was when season six was on. No spoilers! It took us. It took us a week to watch A Bug's Life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how, but it did. It took us a week. We were watching it in like twenty-minute installments because he just wouldn't sleep. Um, and then the other thing would be: do not look at the placenta. Okay. Okay. Just, no. <laughs> On the same note as the uh, things are going to take longer, you probably should just be resigned to the fact that you're going to be late to everything. Mm. Oh, massively, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, like start to leave an hour before you probably should mm-hmm. start to leave. Yeah, to tell yourself that you have to be somewhere at two if you have to actually have to be there at three, mm. so that when you're late, you're actually on time. <laughs> this does get uh, tighter as you get older. Mm. Yeah, you you run into a routine. We we had the nice, lovely setback with the age difference between our two. We've got just about five years, and we had everything running quite smoothly uh, before the second one came along. And that that was, uh, uh, I think, harder than it was with the first one because you you get used to climbing that mountain. And oh look, there's another mountain at the top of the mountain. Thanks, world. <laughs> yeah, you think it's gonna like double the work, and it quadruples it easily. Easily by adding another kid. I would add to always treat them like people, but remember that they're new people. That's a good way of putting that. Yeah. Trainees. Don't be so quick to dismiss what they have to say because they are children. It's it's always removing that, that innocence that I think is the worst part of being a parent. Um, there have been plenty of times Scott has you know, said to me, well, what about this or what about this? And I'll look at him and kind of give him the side eye and go, why? And then, you know, I've been proven wrong by, you know, an eight-year-old, you know, at the time. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, taking that into you know, account that it, it can happen and hopefully, in my opinion, should happen, that they do prove you wrong on occasion, that they can still teach you something. And Haley does that for me all the time. Um, there are regular arguments that we'll have and she'll win and i will just concede and let her have her way because i'm like you're right i'm wrong (laughs) it's really taught me how to communicate with other adult human beings when i disagree with them can you give us an example not off the top of my head because it just happens so often (laughs) it's like on a daily basis I'd, I'd say Lyra's done that for me, actually, because I because traditionally I'm quite a people pleaser kind of person. I'm used to instinctively saying yes to everything all the time. And as a parent, I got into the loop of instinctively saying no all the time. Um, because otherwise, if I'm saying yes, just because it's something that she wants, that's not being a particularly effective parent. Um, but then she got to an age where she could actually start challenging me on the things I was saying no on. And I realized that when I sat down and thought about it, there wasn't really a good reason to say no. Mm. Um, and it's kind of made me be a bit more, let me think about it. And that's not just with her, but that's something she's taught me. Women women are more supportive of one another around children. If a woman gets pregnant, you know, other women pitch in and they sort of talk about it. And it's far more useful, you know. Men, when men are about to have a child, if they have young male single friends, they're not, they're not so good. You know this, you know, your male friends arrive and they stand there and they look at you and they come and see the baby. And they don't really know how to deal with it. 
You know, they don't get it because they go, well, I'm here, you know, your house is a medley of disgusting smells. There's nothing to eat. Everybody's wearing bathrobes. There's no bar. I can't fuck anybody. Why am I here? And, Women tend to be more mature. You know, men look at breasts the way women look at babies. Oh, isn't that lovely? And they... If a woman gets pregnant, all of the women she's ever met in her whole life will appear from all corners of the earth to support her by telling her horror stories of all the pregnancies they've ever heard about. It's fantastic what you're doing. I love the way you're handling this. It won't be like what happened to Michelle. What? What happened to Michelle? Oh, did I say Michelle? I didn't mean to mention that. I'm sorry. Don't worry. She was a fool. She ate vegetables and drank water. The baby came out her ear. You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. Nothing will happen to you. She can't sit down now. Nobody in the family talks to one another. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, so the next question, what were your best coping mechanisms, your best ways of getting through the difficult early years? If someone could tell me this, because I'm still going through them. I was going to say, like, you could say the, the stuff you're doing right now, James. Yeah, James, take notes. <laughs> uh, choosing your battles, honestly. Just simple things. Like, like we're trying to teach him to say please. Um, and sometimes she screams and it's like, right, fine, here, have the drink that you've asked me for and you quite clearly need because you're, you're dehydrating yourself further by crying. And sometimes like, no, you are going to have, you're going to say please, particularly now that we know that he can do it. As in, like, when I say say please, sorry, I mean, I mean, make the sign for please, which is just kind of hand to the mouth and then away. That's, that's what we're trying signs. to get. Okay. We're trying to get him to baby sign. Yeah. Uh, Makaton, mm-hmm. um, sing and sign, Mr. Tumble, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to get them to do that to kind of help because the thing is like the, they get so frustrated because they know what they want they really know what they want but they can't communicate it uh, so it's it, other than just pointing and moaning um, so trying to, to equip him with ways of, of letting us know what he wants um, but then not doing so to the point where he gets even more frustrated there's definitely a drink sign. Mm. I, I know that. Lyra, we yes. taught um, the sign for biscuit, which she used generally for any kind of food, and the sign for milk, which she used generally for any kind of drink. The drink sign is oh. what you'd imagine, just like tip a drink, yeah, it is, yeah. drink we, back in your mouth. We know, mm-hmm. we know the drink sign. The thing is, like, he's got his cup of water, but it's like he wants anything we have. So if we've given him his cup of water and we've come in with a pint of squash... Uh, you know, a pint of fruit juice. He wants I want that. that. Nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like everything you have, he wants. I have a sign language relevant uh, topic. Okay. So I taught Haley sign language when she was like three months old, and I thought it was like this godsend. I was just like, wow, she never cries. She just communicates to me exactly what she wants. It's never a problem. Then at about a year old, she just started talking, and I realized that I had only taught her how to command me to do things for her. Uh, (laughs) You programmed her to program you. It was a terrifying realization at the time. (laughs) See, we're still dealing with both of this um, because we've got the younger uh, kid and, and, you know, the memories of the older kid. But I can tell everybody uh, listening, and and particularly you uh, new guys here, you're advice from your in-laws is going to come it's going to be awful and it's gonna hurt your spouse more than it hurts you yeah. which is uh which is something i wouldn't wouldn't have expected the uh the our our in-laws can be 
challenging. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're, 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 sometimes they're the most wonderful people and sometimes they are not. And uh, as upset as it can be, as upsetting as it can be for me, um, the, the wife takes it pretty hard because it's, it's, uh, you're dealing with one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging thing you've ever done in your life. And to have someone place judgment on that, that it's, it's rough. And, and so as rough as that is from, for you to hear it from somebody that you really don't know, like I, I married your kid, not you get out of my face. That's her parent, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yes. So there's also a layer on top of that of, this is how you brought me up. How am I yeah. alive? This is forty-year-old information. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, yeah. what I want to tell you is the the hottest news off the press from nineteen seventy-eight. Mm, uh, <laughs> my mum still operates out of the um, uh, the Doctor Spock playbook. Hmm. Oh God! Which most <laughs> of the time is fine, but occasionally I'm sort of like, uh, I don't think that's going to work. Take him to see Star Wars. Kids love Star Wars. <laughs> you mean the original <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> Did I make a sequel to that one? Here's some money. Go see a Star War. Think of the times when people listening are just going to be like holding their head in their hands and going, uh, how do I get through this? Think of those distraction, times. Distraction, distraction, yeah. distraction. Okay. The, uh, any, anytime, the, anytime my kids have that breakdown, um, and it, it doesn't always work. I, I've had to, I've carted my kids out of restaurants and out of grocery stores. Um, you know, and you take them and you, you get them to calm down in, in a place where they're not throwing a giant tantrum. But if you have the opportunity, um, and I'm not talking about reward either. It's not about turning on their favorite television show. Mm. It's more about, Hey, let's do something constructive instead of this. And usually, you know, you'll get to know your kids on what, what kind of works best for mine. It's, um, you know, it is a, a creative pursuit is often where, where it goes. So, okay. No, I, I did tell you, you can't have the candy bar, but here, come on, let's color a picture. Hmm. Sharon, mm-hmm. I think you said fail faster last mm-hmm. time. If something's not working, don't keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I can apply that to moments of conflict. When, uh, when someone starts getting really upset in a room, you got to move out of that room quick because that room's going to become this this hotbed of clashing emotions. So just go right. We're just going to go over here, and we're going to do something slightly different, and we're going to have a drink of water, and we're just going to like I'm going to remove myself from you, or you're going to remove yourself from me. Not a situation of I cast you out, but <laughs> like remove yourself from the theater of conflict and remove them as well, if possible. Also, don't be hard on yourself don't judge yourself too harshly it is okay every now and again to just sit down in the on the floor of tesco's and let them cry it out Hmm. people will look at you funny but that's okay freddie's starting to tantrum now and i've found that like you either yeah you get a few people judging you but those people are the the people who aren't parents yet and have no idea and everyone else understands like we we're trying to get him to walk um on his own like like if we're out public get him to walk along holding our hand because because he can do it absolutely fine at home and it's like when it's in public it's kind of easier than carrying him everywhere well we had a bit of a showdown at the zoo where he spent about 10 15 minutes standing on the spot and screaming and yeah you had a few people coming around looking going what they're doing to that child but most people who were parents looking to go yeah they were turning to their children go you used to do that (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice show of solidarity one thing i found and this may not work for everybody it would depend on how you know how inquisitive your kid is but when when aaron in particular was when she would get angry and kind of start to to throw a tantrum i would start talking 
and talking at her. And then I would get quieter and quieter and quieter. And she would stop tantruming so she could hear me. Mm. Nice. Nice. Mm. I might start using that now. That that sounds (laughs) like... Yeah, that... Seriously. A, a good dad trick, particularly, because kids do respond well to sort of low, rumbly voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't work for Connor as well. Um, he is he's a little bit less of a listener, so he would just kind of scream over the top whether you're talking or not. And we had to, you know, just find other ways to, to deal with it. But if you're if your child is particularly inquisitive, if she's if if he or she is is um you know somebody who listens a lot that might do the trick and i've actually found it works on adults sometimes too it does sound like a good way of uh, resolving conflicts without well de-escalating them at least Mm -hmm. there's only one airline servicing the world now air denial where everybody gets on and they pretend they're in a cafe they're trying to shut out the one thought that has actually kidnapped their mind which is we're all gonna die you pretend you're in a cafe and that's what the people are there who work on the planes are supposed to support you in this fantasy because they come along and they say, would you like red or white wine with your piece of vulcanized lizard's cock from the moon? <laughs> How about an extra bread roll there to dip in your otter vomit pate? Are you going red or white wine? What are you going to have, darling? I don't know. What are you going to have? All to shut out the one thought which is in your mind, which is, we're going to die, we're all going to die, we're all going to die right now. The plane is made of metal. The wings are made of metal. We're all eating, and I'm the only non-terrorist aboard. We're all going to die. (laughs) And you kind of... The only enjoyable bit, actually, about being up there is, is if you have a family, if you're with your children and you get to see the young person you used to be sitting a few rows ahead of you who always oblige you by turning around and giving you that scowling look because your child reacting to air pressure is expressing themselves by going and they look around disapprovingly as though you're going to clock that look and go, oh sorry I'll slit their throat and <laughs> After all, you paid for business, and you're a busy, busy guy, aren't you? Uh, so when did they first start getting into movies, and how did you assist them? Uh, obviously, with James, you may have to like talk about what movies you're planning to show him. Uh, we're starting to get him onto um, the Disney films at the moment, like because he he's into colourful cartoons. He quite likes stop-motion stuff. There's a, I don't know if you, you guys are aware, British people, um, there's a, a programme called Twirly Woos on CBeebies. Nope, good. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I, I must have I tell you what, this, this is where ignorance really is bliss. Um, no. <laughs> Twirly, Twirly Woos is all right. Twirly Woos is like, it's a little stop-motion characters there, there and it's, it's all about teaching them concepts like up and down. So the little Twirly Woos will push something up and the, you know, the voiceover lady will go, up down well he gets fixated by that so we've now got him trying to watch like wallace and gromit and pingu and he loves some of the cgi stuff so we've started to get him watch he doesn't last an entire film obviously because he's a has the you know his attention span's not yet there yet but i have managed to get him to watch almost most of it yeah most of an ice age and a little bit of kung fu panda so i'm just kind of weaning him in he's watched a couple of disney's but and if he gets bored of the Disney, it's okay because me and my wife love Disney, so we just watch it ourselves. We started with Disney too. I don't remember exactly when, but I know we moved Lily into narrative-heavy stuff early, like three and under. Whereas Violet, this this is an interesting contrast that I get seeing the two of them. Violet 
quite likes the the colors and the characters. Um, she's even into some of the live action stuff that Lily didn't grasp the live action quite as well as her younger sister is. Like uh, Violet really loves the new Supergirl show, for example. But I know she doesn't mm-hmm. follow the stories like Lily does. Whereas Lily, we got Lily into wasn't Gravity Falls that came later. What was the really narrative driven one? I'm going to say Gargoyles. I can't remember if that was the first one, but I'm just going to say that it was. She was completely entranced. She was more, she was always more entranced if there was an ongoing narrative, even if she didn't fully understand it more than the Disney stuff. But she loved the Disney stuff too. Don't uh, misunderstand that. But if there was an ongoing story, she wanted to watch next one, daddy, next one, daddy, what happens next? Where are they going? Why? One thing we've found with a lot of people talking about it is um, that there's a lot less, and this kind of goes with the whole geek thing, um, gender-specific entertainments where they're like, right, now you watch the girl thing and you watch the boy thing because that's what girls and boys are supposed to do. Seemingly among the geek community, it's like, oh, if you like that, just you know, enjoy. Uh, and that's something I'm kind of proud of. That's actually something that came up recently um, up until last week. There had been no female players uh, assigned to the Overwatch League, and that's something that Scott and I watch together. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say watch together, he, since we're both ADHD, we both have you know very bouncy attention spans, so we jump between everything. And he goes, "Hey, Dad, how come there are no female Overwatch players?" And this was completely unprompted. I looked at him, it's like, uh, "That's a great question," and I completely did not expect it. On the subject of the gender not being specific, uh, Connor was all, when he was a kid, he went really, really deep into the Tinkerbell movies, mm-hmm. which are great. Like, I did not expect them to be any good, and then we watched the first couple of them. Like, these are these are really great. These yeah. are have some really good lessons, and, and he really enjoyed them. Erin was all Pixar all the time. She watched Finding Nemo a hundred times when she was younger. See, I'm not planning to restrict Freddie in any way of, of, as to what gender style stuff he watches. Like, as you say, if he if he enjoys it, then I'll let him watch it. Like, because yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, hell, at the moment he's rushing towards every pink toy at the moment, and uh, one of his favourite things at Grandma's house is a broom that he can just sweep up with. It doesn't mean anything. It's just what he's currently enjoying. Hell, I I remember when I was I must have been like three or four. I remember watching a girls' cartoon Maxie's World. Which good I look times back are happening like, in Maxie's world. I will take your word for that. That's all. I do not remember anything more than that. <laughs> but I watched. I watched loads of that. Like I, I've, I've not grown up, uh, you know, along to the girly stereotypes. I'm, you know, I can't stand soap operas now. So it's not like a. It's not a sign of like long term tastes. But you know, like I'm gonna let him watch whatever hell he wants to watch. Yeah, especially Maxie's world. It was a great show. Um, <laughs> You cut yourself off from an awful lot of quality if you go yeah. into it with a, a mindset of, well, I can't watch this because this is a girl's thing. I can't watch this because this is a boy's thing. One of Lyra's favourite abiding shows is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. Just... And also My Little Pony. Yeah. Literally, literally two turtles. <laughs> okay. I have, uh, a, I have a gender uh, question, actually, just because we've got um, a good mix of, of parents of different genders here. Mm-hmm. The... One of the things I found interesting, raising two girls, um, I actually did run into a problem that really surprised me. Fortunately, it hasn't repeated. But I, I find it easier, I think, raising girls because of, like, 
Lily, for example, she's a little easier to peg. She loves dresses and Ninja Turtles, My Little Pony and Transformers, Ghostbusters, mm. and, you know, insert more girly thing here. The parents of the boys here, um, is it like one day, only one day this happened, Lily brought a Batman lunchbox to school because she loved Batman and a girl made fun of her. This mm. was last year and it, it just kind of destroyed me, broke my heart. Unfortunately, it hasn't repeated and she's didn't lose her confidence and still loves what she loves. But is it that I feel like we've kind of got the easier footing there having a girl because the girls don't seem to get nearly as much flack for liking quote unquote masculine things. Although clearly they still do with my story. How, how are you guys with the young boys handling that? Is there, has that changed or is it still kind of awful? Uh, it's awful. It, yeah, sucks. it's, it's pretty bad. Um, we, the way that we were able to handle that with Connor mostly is just that, a, we never really introduced the idea that there were that certain things are for boys or for girls when he was growing up. And when it started to like when he started to see it at school, you just you dismiss it out of hand. And, and you know, they come up and, and be like, somebody said that this is for this is for girls. And like, well, they're wrong and don't even give it another thought. And then he's like, oh, OK, they're wrong. And that seemed to be all right with him. I think for where where I am, and this I I'd say is a specific issue with with that, because I live in I would say a more affluent area. The school district where Scott goes is very I would say stereotypical gender roles. You know, like a lot of stay at home moms, as it were, um, because a lot of you know, high-powered executives live where where I do. I am not one of them, however. <laughs> um, so you know, I see I see a lot of that. That um, you know, and Scott's having a hard time adjusting in school right now. So you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Why don't you let your child just watch YouTube and never monitor what they're watching? This is more of a hypothetical question. It might be that you do, but uh, if you don't, explain why. A lot of YouTube is garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I restrict her to certain channels. The provocateur society that it's become on there is frightening to me. Go on. See, I only I only let her watch the kids stuff for that reason. The like the specific the kids app, um, YouTube, and there's still so much nonsense. I think the reason I don't monitor it more than I do, other than the sense that you know she doesn't usually watch in her room when I'm not around, is she would rather watch one of the great Avatar or uh, Gravity Falls episodes, and so she's not on YouTube enough. When she's on it, I feel like our parents must have felt about the, the worst stuff we grew up with, which TV has moved so far past that now. I'm thinking, and, and YouTube just seems, YouTube, the wave of the future seems stuck in the past. Good point. It's, it's just all the garbage. Like, there is some good stuff on YouTube. There's some really good stuff. And we, we found out about some of it last time. But um, there's also 
have you seen in your travels the um like millions of crudely animated like looking like a ps1 game graphics of spider-man venom joker elsa from frozen Mm -hmm. shrek dancing on a a green grassy background i want to say grassy i mean a green flat like microsoft paint looking background just dancing or going around in monster trucks and these are procedurally generated and they they work on an algorithm, so a computer makes them based on what has got hits before, and they're churned out by one umbra- like there's uh, really some fascinating articles where you can it leads back to one or two umbrella companies in in South Asia that are just getting clickbait ad revenue from millions of videos, all being they're circumventing YouTube's policies. So it's like, well, you can only Skynet started. Yeah, you can only upload one or two videos a day. Well, that's fine. If I have a thousand channels under this one Mm -hmm. network umbrella, I can procedurally generate that every few hours and just keep getting the clicks. So, and they all have names like Frozen, Elsa, Spider Man, Finger Bob, Dance, Monster Truck, Shrek, Party, Learning Numbers, Colors, Child Friendly, (laughs) Four Best Party Time, Child, Child, Child. And then those are the, just this mash of words. And They're just SEO one, bots. That exactly, come up SEO with, bots. Like, and these then, are the things that... Yeah. It looks... Uh, this has actually only been a relatively recent development, and the actual tech to develop these is, uh, is new, which defies how crude and terrible they look and how disturbing this stuff gets because really bad stuff gets into the algorithm. There's, there's uh, uh, stuff I'm not really going to talk about that just... Just one of the more popular ones, based originally on a live-action skit. Pregnant, polygonal, PlayStation 1-looking Elsa from Frozen lies down on a doctor's table. The doctor injects her with a great big clumsy needle, and her pregnant bump disappears. Mm Mm-hmm. It would disturb children to watch these characters do that. And that's the stuff that I want to kind of make my listeners a little bit more aware of, and I'm going to suggest, folks, that you check up on that st- uh, What's For God's sake, don't look it up on YouTube, because then YouTube will keep <laughs> throwing it It'll go, oh, hey, we, we, you we want to see you like more this. of this. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Hold on, what's this? Uh, I'm hoping that that's where we have the advantage in that, that we, our generation is increasingly aware of that. I mean, Christ, in my, you know, my job, I write about so many you know, YouTube stuff, um, you know, like the Logan Paul stuff, the PewDiePie muck-ups. So, like, we are aware of the bad stuff that's on YouTube. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Freddie doesn't even know what YouTube is yet, thank God. Yeah. I've been using it to find old things, like, you know, like old Tom and Jerry cartoons and stuff that people have uploaded illegally. Um, so, it's kind of, it's good in that. But, but I'm obviously controlling what he's watching. As and when he's older, I'm absolutely going to keep an eye on what he's watching because I don't have any confidence in YouTube's parental controls, and I know the absolute crap that's out there. So I want to protect him from that. Okay, the uh, the one to educate yourself with, folks, is weird kids videos and gaming the algorithm by uh, folding ideas. Folding, folding ideas. Folding ideas. This guy is brilliant, and shoot that uh, link over. I will do because uh, it's uh if if you're Always. becoming a parent if you've got a uh, if you've got a kid who's into youtube you need to know about this stuff so that you can immediately identify it and go whoop nope getting you off of this and like if your kid's like why you go okay let me sit you down and educate you with this video which will kind of be fun and creepy to see at the same time 
I'm going to give you a couple of minutes of this because it's kind of important and I can't just assume that everybody's going to be able to find and watch this video today. But I do recommend watching it. I mean, just the visuals alone will really hammer these points home. These are the key tenets of the concept from a very clever chap named Dan Olson. Folding ideas. There's an odd interplay of memetics here, where someone will make something with the express purpose of trolling people, unintentionally disturbing children's animation, for example, that will gain popularity and subsequently be absorbed into the meme body of these channels churning out content programmatically. Buried Alive Outdoor Playground Finger Family Song Nursery Rhymes Animation Education Learning Video is clearly a Markov derivative of the popular video Buried Alive Spider-Man vs. Frozen Elsa Baby Pink Spider-Girl Joker Family Fun Superhero Movie. One of our previous examples, Spider-Man and Pregnant Elsa at the Supermarket, is an eerily specific recreation of Pregnant Frozen Elsa Giving Birth Joker Attack Spider-Man Hulk Superheroes Movie Compilation. The point is that the videos themselves are procedurally generated from a library of component videos, which are themselves generated from stock assets, motion capture libraries, and the handful of subjects that four-year-olds find fascinating. The end result is, as Mike Rugnetta put it, metadata slurry. And yeah, it's wild that the stuff made by humans is still just word salad, but you need to keep in mind that the target audience can't read. So the title is irrelevant beyond its function as search engine optimization. Now, there's already something troublesome about the fundamental structure of YouTube kids. Young children, particularly preschoolers, are prone to watching the same thing over and over and over. A kid may watch any given video dozens or even hundreds of times. As a result, many of these videos have absurdly high view counts with what would, in other corners of YouTube, be suspiciously low number of corresponding likes and comments. Now that troublesome structure, built on a foundation of chain-viewing four-year-olds, gets all the worse when you consider that it's a perfect environment for mechanized exploitation. The standards for the content are already so low that it is difficult to distinguish what is the product of a machine throwing elements together semi-randomly, and what is the product of adults who just don't care. The behavior patterns of kids chain-watching videos while not otherwise engaging is also easily replicated by bots. And while there's no hard proof of any of these channels botting, it would be almost effortless to hide if they were. And here's where it really goes off the rails. All of these channels belong to the same multi-channel network named 3HUOX5ATUSRN6HWHOKZJSQ. There are 58 channels attached to that MCN, almost all of them posting nearly identical content based off the same source library. Everything about it screams minimal human interaction. The strategy here is to cast a very wide net with the illusion of diversity. A single channel uploading dozens of videos per day will quickly trip YouTube's spam alarms. But a network of dozens of channels uploading one video each per day won't. YouTube's search algorithms and recommended videos try to give you content that's just like whatever you just watched, but they're also designed to force a bit of variety to prevent a single channel from totally dominating a given genre. The distributed spam technique works around this, meaning the algorithm can deliver diverse results from many different channels while actually delivering results that all point back to the same core entity. These networks are, in fact, all the same root entity. Mango Kids, Mobile Walkers, Whacked Out, and 3HUOX 
are all the same people, meaning that whichever one is in fact the originating organization is operating at least 400 separate YouTube channels proliferating a spam of children's content, programmatically dominating search results and recommended videos. So yeah, far from it being a safe platform to just leave your kids with, you give them your phone with YouTube kids for an hour or so, you come back, their mind's gonna have turned to jelly. Video games, uh, which ones have they, have they started? Which ones have really stuck with them? Uh, okay, and no talking about Minecraft, because we have covered Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Stardew Valley is a big one. I mean, she immediately was drawn to the teacher lady mm-hmm. and told me that that's who she was going to marry and that she was convinced that for the rest of her life she only likes girls. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad Stardew Valley did that for you. And she was like, well... <laughs> You know, all the girls in the game are really kind, and this one really likes kids and likes teaching them, so of course I'm going to like her. And it was just really cute to see a video game, the the very first video game she got really into, teach her about kindness, and and honestly how valuable that is to her, personally. Lyra's massively into uh, Stardew Valley as well. Apparently, like, she, she had spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on it with the friendship side of things. And then I, I spotted that when she went back to her farm, it's just this windswept, you know, rainy bush fest. <laughs> and it's like, you're not farming at all. She went, I'm mining and friending. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's there cool. You go. Don't have to be a farmer. You. <laughs> but it did come back to bite her in the ass because apparently if you get married... Your spouse is going to want a 10,000 gold home, and if you haven't been paying attention to accumulating money, you won't have that. So now she's farming like a beast. Aaron got really, really into Undertale Mm -hmm. and played that every time she was over. I don't know if this was mentioned previously. I'm divorced, and my kids live with their mom most of the time, but I have them on the weekends. Undertale ended up being a, you know, quite a fun sort of bonding experience for the three of us because Aaron would play and we would put it up on the, on the television and, and Connor and I would kind of watch and talk and ask questions and give suggestions and, and things like that. And we ended up finishing it. She finished it once before us, like without us. And we kind of went through it once together in, you know, with different uh, making different decisions and going through and, and talking about morality and, um, you know, oppression and how things can affect people and the difference between decisions and good and evil and stuff like that. And it's, it ended up being kind of profound. But now that Scott's gotten older, he's gravitated more towards things, you know, like uh, he's actually started playing a lot with Jin and I, uh, Jin being my partner after, after my divorce. And, and uh, she is also, you know, quite, the geek but we've gotten into destiny and diablo and anything i think where there's a collectible hmm. part to it or a grindable part to it he's really started gravitating towards that you know just like she and i do so that's really become i think you know one of his big likes i'm really dreading your your wallet's impact there mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt that uh, that Jen and I are both of the opinion of, hey, you know, th- we're on top of it before he is. And so he, he just like, hey, that looks cool. Can I play that too? So <laughs> yeah, we're already pot committed. <laughs> he probably 
you're probably pretty fortunate that Disney Infinity went under. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man, did we go through that Skylanders phase? Oh my oh, goodness, man, so that we. was horrible. I've got I've so got a many. ton of these things, yeah. which <laughs> which now are just sitting there gathering dust. All the Skylanders, um, all the yeah. Disney Infinity. Yeah. I've been able to resist the Amiibo so far. Oh uh, well, all right. those are the only ones that have Anyone want to buy a collection of them? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Matt's the one who bought all the Amiibos, so that's why you weren't <laughs> able to find any, folks. Uh, at the risk of derailing slightly, then, I have a question for you guys. Okay. Um, how conscious are you of what you're playing in front of your kids and at what age? I ask this because Freddie's obviously like 20 months. He's, he's not even two yet. He's not fully aware of what's going on on the screen. And I mostly play like Nintendo games or uh, he quite likes it when I play Forza Horizon because he's found the – he'll stand next to me and he's found the stick on my controller that makes the camera turn backwards so I can't see where I'm going. <laughs> but, um, this is funny. I make daddy crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the but the other, I, I was I was playing. He was distracted by his toys. He was playing with his toys. He wasn't really paying attention to the screen. So I put on Assassin's Creed, Ooh. and it was only kind of after. Well, because and, and now I'm now I'm saying that I'm thinking, and you know, and the wife's in the other room. She's probably heard that and thought, oh, what? Um, but like, I obviously wouldn't let him play that. Hmm. And when he gets older and is more aware of what's going on the screen, I obviously won't be playing that in front of him. Right. But, yeah, how did you guys handle that? Honestly, I think at that age, it's... I personally would have been more wary about what she could hear. Um, so mm-hmm. anything that was particularly screamy or, like, rat a tat tat machine guns... People or, in obvious pain yeah. and, and distress. There's no way you can disguise not, that from a I'm child. Not playing, yeah. not playing anything like that. I mean, Assassin's Creed like has the occasional... like It's mostly sword-swishing noises and the occasional, like cartoonish punch sound it's not that bad but yeah the context in that and the 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 violence in that is more in the narrative than it is in what you're specifically seeing as long as it's not like a cut scene where somebody's getting the throat cut any gta any call of duty is completely off but but yeah i don't know i don't play those games anyway but (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) but but, yeah for all of our listeners at home in case you're wondering no gta not 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 fine yeah however gta can be used as a fantastic tool for teaching children about road safety, and you can just drive around <laughs> obeying the traffic laws, trying your very best not to hit people. I heard someone who actually did that with yeah. the, uh, the kid, and, and also got the kids to count red cars, count, and, yeah, spot certain yeah. types of cars, and it, it gives you an immersive city. And it, it's you know, if you can find a GTA which looks really good, and where people don't casually swear at you as you walk past, mm. that that's that's gonna gonna assist you. So GTA has its benefits, just don't go in anywhere near any of the letters on the map because mm. then it, it immediately cuts to someone being tortured or beaten or um, yeah, strip joint or something like that and you're like, whoa, close your eyes. I, I think cutting back to that, that question of what are two things that you know you, you wish you had known beforehand mm-hmm. um, that other parents are not going to have the same restrictions or um, uh, same level of consciousness on it. And th- and circling to GTA, that was a big, big issue we had with uh, one of Scott's now former friends. Oh, I think I can see where this is going. He was playing GTA as young as, I think, six or seven. Oh, and at one point, you know, was talking, you know, really ill of, you know, Scott and other kids on, on a uh, – um, 
a group chat mm-hmm. and you know at one point threatened saying if you know if this kid doesn't stop telling this kid's father about this you know my dad has guns and blah 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 i'm going whoa you know and 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 i looked at scott i'm like you know and i made the motion i'm like give me the headset and uh this kid started yammering on i go you know scott's father's on here right now <gasps> oh shit click you know so oh, we had a we had a indeed. conversation with that one's father i mean it's because they just did not pay attention to what they were playing. And they're like, yeah, play whatever. So that's, you got to watch out for that one. That Again, one. hopefully like going forward, like I'm, I'm quietly hoping that because Freddie's so young, that the kids, his age, the parents of the kids, his age will be more aware of that and hopefully actually give half a damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they'll have grown up knowing what GTA is. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like it sounds like this ass bag of a father knows what GTA is doesn't give a fuck because he like he didn't buy this game for his six-year-old he bought it for himself and let his six-year-old play side note you're not an ass bag of a father just for letting your kid play grand theft auto you are an ass bag of a father if they go around threatening other kids with gun violence yeah i mean i think and this this does sort of feed into one of the other questions that we've got about um kids being around mature content I would imagine it's less of an issue with people who are somewhat geeky themselves and are into uh, video games and, and movies because ultimately we know what that content is and we know what we're willing to let our kids be exposed to, what we're willing to let them be exposed to when we're around. Because there is a difference between just leaving a child with mature content with no way of of, uh, processing that and watching it with them Mm. so that if they have questions that you can can field that and give them some context for what they're they're seeing versus the, the parents who don't know what the material is. The kid says they want it, so they just turn it on and then leave them to it Hmm. it's just like the material now is just so much more graphic and mature like as technology has advanced i remember when i was i was 15 when the first perfect dark came out and i bought it when i was my dad and i went into town we bought it we came home and it was only when we got home that we noticed the big red bbfc 18 certificate on the box and mum was like you are taking that back right now and i'm like mum Mum, no. The I'll tell you why it says it's an 18. It's because occasionally they say son of a bitch and there's some very unconvincing blood on the screen. That is it. But you compare that to an 18 video game now. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, well, actually, this is a, a point. Microsoft need to work the flip out the fork. Sorry, I'm watching The Good Place at the moment. They need to work the fork <laughs> out what to put on the dashboard. Because when I go in with my daughter looking at games, and they've got, I don't know if it's the suffering to, what's the one where a woman is wrapped in barbed wire and screaming? The evil within. The evil within, yeah. It's a fucking Hellraiser. And Lyra just went, and then just got up and left the room. And I went, you're absolutely right to. What the fork, Microsoft? Yeah. Never let them play The Binding of Isaac. (laughs) It's a twin-stick shooter and devilishly hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there's also the other stuff in it. One video game that no one's mentioned yet in two shows, Pokemon. Does any kid like Pokemon anymore? (laughs) Yeah. They better, because me and and, uh, and Freddy's mum are both still into Pokemon now. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm into it, but Haley is really not. It will not hold her attention span. She'll play the card game, but she will have nothing to do with the video game. I feel like when I played Black and White, it was just too slow. I just want to get, I want to jump into the game and start playing immediately. And it was way too slow to keep her attention span and honestly too slow to keep mine at this point. Lara got stuck on a town where there was a rock blocking her way and they didn't tell her immediately how the hell to move the rock and it was you had to go to the gym and beat that and get the badge to get the thing, to use the thing, to get the PDM to do, give it to a different Pokemon to move the rock out of the way. And at, An HM. Yeah, an HM, yeah. there you go. And at the age of six, when she was playing this, she was like, no, too much information. Just tell me how to do it and I'll do it. And I also realized around this time how devilish Nintendo were way back in the late 90s when they were like a Pokemon Red and a Pokemon Blue. If you've got two kids in the house, you buy two yeah. copies. And if you're a parent who plays it, you got to buy your kid a copy too because they can't play your Pokemon Pearl unless you blank everything you've earned. On Pokemon <laughs> yeah, Pearl. I'm not giving up those hours. They're still doing that now. Like, I can't play Pokemon X because Penny is still only halfway through it. Yeah. So, like, how have we got to, like, 20 years of Pokemon and they still haven't invented a second save file? <laughs> it's because well, Profit like- is out. That's their phase two. If they ever put one on a Nintendo Switch, mm. then you have different profiles for each person. So yeah. I have my own save game of I Am Setsuna and Haley has her own. Yeah. Allegedly due by Christmas, but I'll believe it when I see it. They are working on a Pokemon title for Switch. Can't wait. They're Proper. also working on cooperative Star Lyra plays the Switch more than I do, actually, now that I think about it. she's I love the fact that you can just vump and fum and she can just play it on the sofa. I mean, you could do that with the Wii U as well, but just that that ability is a really great way of... The right size for her hands, though. The Wii U was too big. Yeah, but the Wii U's controller, you just drop it on the floor, you're like, oh, bum, pick it back up again, that's not a problem. You drop the Switch on the floor, it's like... <laughs> I am going to be keeping an eye out for cooperative games because I'm starting to get a taste of this. Um, so Freddie's got obviously already got a bunch of little baby friends, and you know my wife's got like a big mummy group, yeah. and one of the mums she's got a six year old son. So the six year old comes over and he wants to play Lego Marvel superheroes with me mm. while the baby's playing. Like, and playing co op a Lego game with with this young boy is like this. Is, I'm now looking forward to when Freddie can do that mm. and like playing together and working as a team. I'm so looking forward to that bit. We've been enjoying uh, Rayman Legends on the Switch, although it was better on the Wii U. Um, but we have fun with that one. Nice. I'll give Haley it one really loves um, Overcooked. Oh, oh yeah. Like and Overcooked I'm is fantastic. terrible at it. She's terrible <laughs> at it. So her dad carries us through the game. Everyone is terrible yeah. at Overcooked. So they just won't admit it. Everyone it's is terrible at Overcooked. terrible at Overcooked. Oh, you need to look this up. This is brilliant. You really it's a, do. It's a cooperative game where essentially it's kind of like one of those like diner dash. You have to cook meals according to the recipes and deliver them. But the, the levels are designed to just kind of impede you from doing that so for example one kitchen has an earthquake every now and then that splits the kitchen in two so you can't access certain things and if you leave the the, the food cooking for too long it sets on fire and sets the whole <laughs> kitchen on fire and there's only one fire extinguisher oh lovely it's, it's glorious it's wonderful we're the bad parents we we bought a switch we only just got one uh for christmas there it, well it was a household gift um, the wife and I play it. She's uh, pulling the Skyrim on it, and I'm uh, I restarted Breath of the Wild to take advantage of the uh, downloadable content. But we have Breath of the Wild for the Wii U as well, and there's a couple of Switch games we got on there. We don't have Stardew Valley yet, although I'm I'm interested in that now after hearing this. Um, but 
the that Lily wants to play on the Switch, and we're like, no, you you can play on the Wii U. We're playing on the Switch. So that's one yeah. of the things. That, it's funny when Alex uh, originally asked me about being on this show, he asked what one of the things that we wanted to remember was, and one of the things that I said was that we need to share. That's one of the things that nobody really talks about as a parent. Oh, sure, you've got to share you know, your life and your food and, and everything like that. But I didn't consider at the time that my kids are going to like the things that I like and want to play them, and they're not all to player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's been that's been an interesting challenge. So at least now that we've got two of the off TV devices, it doesn't require quite as much sharing. But the the kid definitely wants to play on the newer system, which is like, well, no, mommy and daddy are playing it right now. <laughs> and kids are a little bit too smart. So like, I remember when um when Freddie was tiny, like people were saying like um oh, what you want to do is get like a, a controller that doesn't have any charge or no batteries in it and then let him sit you know, when he's older let him sit with that and he thinks he's playing and um and then you can play your game and and he thinks he's playing along well the shameful time that i was playing assassin's creed i uh, well first of all i attempted i thought uh, what i'll do is i'll hide the controller under a blanket so that he can't see him playing he just thinks it's something on tv but he looked at the screen he looked at me as if to say, I know you're playing this. <laughs> and he came over and he removed the blanket and found the controller. So I thought, right, nice. okay, right, I'm rumbled. What I'll do is I'll take the controller batteries out of this one. I gave him that controller, put batteries in the um, in the other controller I have, and continued playing. And then I put the blanket back over myself so he couldn't see I was playing. And he sat there for about two minutes, like, clicking the sticks, thinking he was playing. But then he's like, no, this is clearly not doing something, and then removed the blanket and found the second controller. So you cannot get stuff past them. He sounds like a smart kid. Worryingly smart. You he keep, knows what he wants. Keep he knows trying to hoodwink it. him, because clearly that's making his mind work. That's good. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the techni- what, is it, what is it they call them? Technological natives? Digital natives? Mm. Yeah, they've been born into a, been born a, a, the world of the internet. With, with yeah. computers oh, yeah. and, and screens. He really understands touchscreens, doesn't he? Like, he mm. knows how to hang up a nanny during FaceTime, so... <laughs> Because children are very, very over-sentimentalised, you know. Really. They are, aren't they? All the mini, 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 mini stuff. And what are they? And the charities they have. They go on and on and on. You know, children who need another biscuit. Children who <laughs> want their own Jeep. Children, children in need. When is the last time you saw a child who wasn't in need? When is the last time a child said to you, actually, that's enough raspberry tart for me, thanks. <laughs> I'm just going to go and clean the car, okay? What are they really? Children. Midget drunks. That's what they are. You know what they are? People who greet you in the morning by kneeing you in the face. Talking gibberish. And you hate you. All day. They, they can't even walk straight. If you put them on an infinite radial plane, they will find the one pedal there and devote their whole day to banging their eye off it. <laughs> so you have to drive them to an emergency room when you're doing something important, like sitting down. <laughs> they want drunk people's food, you know? You say, what, what are you eating for tea? Tiramisu, fried in sugar. <laughs> they talk like drunks. Time for, time for, time for bed now, be- bedtime. No, 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 no. <laughs> Get into the bath. No! Get out of the bath. No! Do something that's not mindless violence for five seconds, will you? No! 
how do they feel about toys? Because my theory is that with all the video games and all the apps and like the fact that Lyra just cares about her DS and just cares about her iPod, that the appeal of plastic toys, dolls, action figures, and I was proved wrong last time, but my theory is that this is becoming still more prevalent, is diminishing, that Toys R Us are in trouble because kids like apps more than they like toys. How do you, how do you I would agree. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Outside of Lego, I'd agree. Yep, everyone, yep. Said, everyone yeah, loves Lego. The only toys that she's super into are Japanese import dolls of uh, Hatsune Miku. <laughs> That's the only thing that I end up buying her. And it's all because it stems back to the fact that she loves the video game. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, and, it's from, it springs from it, like Pokemon merch. Yep, and, that, I found and that my house is covered with... in Pokemon merch, but it's nothing to do with her. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm hoping to, and this is naive parenting, like, you know, say, oh, I'm going to do this. It's and then, you know, sim- it's okay. Sim- simple things like, like, like I, I'm determined, like, I'm never, never going to let Freddie sit with an iPad or an iPhone or something during, like, in a restaurant. Like, if we're going out to dinner, like, he doesn't. I don't want him sitting there with an iPad and playing apps. I want him actually engaging and, and talking with the family. But a friend of mine said, "Yeah, you just wait until <laughs> you just wait until um, until he's older. You will give anything to keep him calm at the table." I'm determined to do that. But then, uh, uh, similarly, I'm determined to limit, not harshly, but try to limit the amount of time that he spends on TV, apps, video games, etc. So Screen that he still time. goes and plays. Yeah. Trying to limit that screen time. I got limited screen time when I was when I was a kid, and I yeah, you know, I, I survived. Like, I mean, he's 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 starting to. Yeah, ironically, I spend more time on the screen now than I did back when I was a kid because you were starved but, um, of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like he's he's starting to play. Literally, just this evening, like he's really starting to play with his toys. He's starting to put his Lego, you know, his big fake Lego that we've got together. He's starting to, you know, stack things up and organize them. Like, like we're well, not organize them, but like, you know, he's, he's starting to play, and we really want to encourage that. So I'm really hoping we don't use the electronic babysitter. Hmm. Uh, there's an important distinction, I think, between just screen time and passive cons uh consumption time because like i'll do the same thing in terms of you know youtube or certain video games and things where you know you you try to limit the amount of time they can spend but if they're if they're playing if they're playing minecraft i'll let them play minecraft for as long as they want if they're if they're building something solving puzzles doing things that are are actively stoking their imagination i will intentionally not leave not impose a limitation on that Hmm. what i've you know started realizing is you know i i kind of had the same thought going oh i don't want my kid you know on this all the time and but sometimes you just get the uh i'm tired i'm worn down it was a long week at work and you know they need they need a break too you know but what i've started trying to get scott into is music production now mm-hmm. okay. and it, it's trippy um because it's difficult it's not easy um mm. so uh i i want him to explore that more and we've started learning and this is for i, I guess you could start at any age with this we bought what's called a launch pad and a launch key which think of a, a chest think of it as a chessboard is the launch pad where you can program different sounds and different musical instruments and loops into these keys and you tap them to you know 
produce music. And the launch key is nothing more than a, a MIDI keyboard to, to input, uh, input any of your loops and beats and sounds you want into it. But it's, it's a good distraction. And like you said, you know, if it's something that they're learning and constructing with, you know, let them at it all day, I kind of want to get him into that so he doesn't, you know, rely so much on, you know, the, uh, the iPad and the, uh, mm the iPhones or whatever it is. I think that's that's something that comes into the uh, the intergen- uh, intergenerational differences as well. Trying to convince grandparents, in my experience, that one kind of screen time is not the same as another time of kind of screen time mm-hmm. is tricky because as far as they're concerned... If you're sitting down and looking at something on a screen, it doesn't matter whether you actively selected the thing that you're watching. It doesn't matter whether what you're actually doing is reading something on Kindle. It doesn't matter that it's a a game which is interactive and actually requires you to think and and become involved in it. As far as they're concerned, it's TV. You're sitting there and letting a random stream of stuff pour into you. Hmm. Yeah. Back to toys, though. Regarding figures, uh, I think that the market has changed over the past 20 years or so to cater far more to 40-year-old men who were into, <laughs> um, like the, who were into action figures in the 90s and Todd McFarlane stuff and still love movie action figures and PVC statues of anime girls. and th- like They're getting catered for heavily. In the meantime, the actual cost <laughs> of plastic's gone up. So a Star Wars figure now has gone from costing... A Star Wars figure when The Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980 cost £1.50. When I was in in my teens, uh, a Power of the Force Star Wars figure was £4. They're now £10 for the same sized figure in Toys R Us. That's too much when there's a thousand different figures for a parent to invest heavily in for their kid and that's even and that's not, a lot of pocket not, money when you could get a lot of apps for that same price they're not pocket money prices anymore you can't save up for a couple of weeks and, and go and get the latest in the in a collection so i think mm, kids that, have probably not got the motivation to want to invest in it themselves that's 10 pounds for an itty bitty figure like a full like a six inch one that actually looks meaty and like decent that's 25 quid mm. For a mm-hmm. toy, for an action figure? I love action figures. I worked for Action Figure Resource for years. I'm looking at a room full of action figures here. But that is too much for entry-level, I'm a kid, I like toys mm. prices. Also, it's the, I think the kind of toys as well. A figure that sits on a shelf and doesn't do anything. Ah, to you it doesn't, but I take it to my backyard. and has and, a, a bit of a limited um, appeal. I mean, to say that Lyra is really not into toys, do you know what she likes? She likes goo. Yeah. She likes she wants oh, my that goodness. stress yeah. slime that you can put because she wants to pull it to pieces and figure out what makes it stick together. And she's got a, a microscope that she absolutely adores because she can look at weird stuff and see holes in it. She likes the weird stuff of science and history. Haley, yeah. Haley feels the same way. And if you aren't already watching the YouTube channel Wenji, um, it's this 32-year-old woman that looks like she's 16. And all she does is arts and crafts for kids. And it's completely clean actually just wonderful content and i think hmm. Haley watches way too many hours of it every day Spell and i have to Wen-G? cut her off w oh, yeah, and g-i-e g-i-e thank you i think that's how you spell it we will check her out yeah in britain they passed that law you know you're not allowed to physically educate your child anymore <laughs> and I found it was rather sad, and I used to bound home from work to strike my children. But, um, 
keep in touch, but the, the uh, there are only so many different ways you can say to a child, please don't turn the light switch on and off again. You have absolutely nailed down the principal finding of this experiment. When you turn it off, daddy can't see anything. He stands on your toys trying to find you and kill you and breaks his foot. Children know the power they have then, you know? Is there something that you can hone in on that you're just like, I really didn't need to do that or shouldn't have done that? It, it, it might end up feeling quite personal, but I only feel answer what you feel comfortable with. Honestly, the only thing I can think of, because obviously we're still learning, so I think, I think it's, it's ask me this in five years' time and I'll probably have a list for you, but so far, like, I think the main thing for us was I kind of wish, it's not geek-related, it's just I kind of wish we hadn't leapt out of bed every time he even moaned in the night hmm. like we had him in in he was a pretty bad sleeper he did not sleep at all um he would go he would sleep for about 20 minutes 40 minutes maybe an hour and then he'd be awake for another hour um christ he once went 18 hours without sleeping and he was only three oh. months old at that point Oof. um and even then after that he slept for two hours and then he was wide awake again towards the start when he was in his um little Moses basket next to our bed or even there was a about a month where he slept kind of in between us sometimes during the night he um he'd moan and we'd get up and kind of sway him and hope to try and get him to get him to sleep and we leapt on it quite quickly because we wanted to settle him and we didn't want him crying now that he's in a decent sleep routine he's in his cot and so forth we now know that he he moans when he turns over in his sleep if he's just turning over in his sleep, he cries for about 30 seconds, and then that's it. But it was within that 30 seconds, we were thinking, oh, God, no, don't cry, don't cry, quick, pick him up. And I really wish we hadn't done that. If and when we have a second one, we will almost certainly hear that one cry and then just leave them to it for about a minute or two before deciding, yes, actually, probably they do need us. Hmm. Mike, um, can you explain oh, yeah. what you do that actually specifically is kind of related to geeky children? Yeah, well, um, so I run an indoor playground. Um, it's, it's basically exactly what it sounds. It's nothing, uh, we don't have any of the complex gaming equipment or anything like that. It's a couple of slides and uh, punching bags and a climbing structure, toddler area, that kind of thing. So we get a pretty wide range of kids in here. Um, we generally tell the, the public there it's 10 and under, and we get, a, we get up to that. Um, we also do a thing called Nerf Night where we get a little bit of an older crowd. We get uh, kind of the 8 to 12-year-olds, and uh, I get to see quite a bit of different, uh, quite a bit of different kids running through there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the basis of it. Is there, what, what kind of questioning were you thinking to go down there with that, I suppose Alex? it would be like you've actually had a chance to kind of observe children at play. Is there anything you specifically noticed about them like, uh, like, that you feel has moved on since you were a kid, maybe? There's some new games um, that surprised me. Uh, like they, they, there's some game called Grounders. I don't know if this is a thing that's only in Canada or maybe it's only in North America. It's some variation of tag where they're supposed to keep their eyes closed. Has anybody else heard of this one? <laughs> so you're running around with your eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not the it's not the safest game. That's for sure. That that one surprised me. They, 
<laughs> yeah, they still play hide and seek. Um, they the play definitely seems to be very media heavy, like it was for us. So whereas we ran around saying we're Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters or She-Ra or Rainbow Bright or whatever it was, they run around their Pokemon. Um, you know, some of them want to be the trainers, or some of them are Pokemon who are trainers. Like the same the same old world bending that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, nothing too new there. I find that really interesting. Everybody talking about the Pokemon and, and if the kids are playing it. And I really wonder what the age range of people is who are actually playing the Pokemon games these days. Now, maybe this is just in our house because of the, you know, the situation where we don't, you know, we've only got a little amount of time and money for video games. So we don't, my, my kid is heavily into Pokemon in theory. She's seen a few episodes of the cartoon, but it doesn't really seem to hold her interest. I don't think she tells you she doesn't like it, but it doesn't. she doesn't ask us to turn it on. She loves the cards, and she loves the concepts, and she loves the, the art, but she's I, I, I could have shown her the game. I haven't really... She hasn't shown enough interest to actually play the video game, but all the kids are into it. So hmm. I, I'm not really... What, I'm curious if there's something from our youth that would fit that where we all kind of knew what it was, but we never played the original form. And I, I can't, I can't think of a comparison. Star Trek. Possibly. I <laughs> when guess, I was a kid, I, I was like, that's for older kids. And then I got to a certain <laughs> age. I was like, that's for younger kids. <laughs> <laughs> the way I've got the business set up is it I, because I'm an illustrator. I get to create my own superheroes. That was one thing. Um, that's actually really interesting. That's mm-hmm. a, a very interesting point to bring up. Kids love all the new media. And it doesn't seem to matter where it comes from. This is, I think, a part of where YouTube has kind of taken off because it's it's new after new after new after new. Mm-hmm. So I've created an array of superheroes for the business. I think um, the Mick Kids or not the Mick Kids, the BK Kids. I don't know. Did they have those in the in the they UK? They did. Or there was a, like there was Kid Vid who wore like a, a, a TV on his face. You got it. So I've got my own set of heroes. They're they're all derivatives. They 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 were made, they were designed for marketing, but I did the illustration, and the kids love them to pieces. Mm. They get in the doors, they see the the costumes and the colors, and they all pick a favorite within five minutes, and that that really blew my mind. And they're, I mean, I mean, I don't think children are the same now. They're not the, like the ones I remember from growing up. You know, being at parties and you do all the childhood things, running around and bleeding and. <laughs> Torturing the weakest member of the group, you know. <laughs> Simple childhood games. It's not like that anymore. I went to a birthday party recently of a young person. They were all about ten. And, and they, they, they were all slumped on the lawn like dead bumblebees. <laughs> drinking latte. <laughs> they were all disaffected. Like Berlin in 1929. I went up to one boy. I said, what's the matter here? He said, oh, I have a migraine. You can get drowned or electrocuted. You can't have a fucking migraine. <laughs> and the birthday girl, I, I asked her, I said, why isn't anybody playing? And she said, oh, it's all these parties. <laughs> you do your hair, you put your frock on, nobody talks to the real you. <laughs> get me a martini, would you? So, we're still on the question. What do you wish you hadn't done? Uh, anyone in the group? Uh... This is personal, but uh, I wish... You don't have to. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I really wish that I hadn't tried to force things to work with her dad, with her biological dad, because we're both so much happier without each other. Okay. That is... I mean, it may be personal, but ultimately it's it's kind of relevant to to, parents who may want to 
stick it out for as long as they possibly can for the children. I kind of wish my parents had not done that for as long as they did. They they figured that they if they they'd hold on till I was twelve and that I wouldn't be affected by their breakup, which was horrible. Like if you the longer you leave it, the more bitter it's going to be when you finally resolve it. Hmm. Yeah, don't drag it out if you know it's not right. You you know in your gut if it's not right, right? Yeah. And I, I tried so, so hard for the first two or three years of her life to try to, like, sure, you can move back in. And sure enough, like, two or three weeks later, I was like, no, you have to move back out. And it was just not healthy for anybody. Yeah. And now he's no longer an active role in her life, but she has an adopted dad who is yeah. who sees her all the time, every every single week, if not, like, three or four times a week. That's so. Good. Moving on to that was was probably the best decision I ever made for her. Hmm. And they are so happy and they really do act like father, daughter. They're just unbelievably happy together. And I think that that's probably the best thing I've ever done for, for everybody's sake. Thank you, Brittany. That might actually be some advice that saves a child or at least helps a child's development if, if it has an impact with one or two of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to second that just to, to reinforce it. I, my, my uh, kid's mom and I did the exact same thing. We stayed together for probably a year longer than we should have um, for the same thing, trying to stay together, you know, for the kids and staying together for the kids is bullshit. You do, you do way more psychological harm to them by constantly fighting and being in the room and hating each other and making them think that it's their fault somehow. And all of the, you know, all of the the bad things that happen that go away almost out overnight when you're no longer in that situation. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in on that. Um, Scott's mother and I split just before he was even one because things had been going downhill, you know, right uh, up until you know we found out we were going to have you know have him, and it's like, oh well. <laughs> We yeah we decided well might as well you know, figure this out now so he doesn't know any different and again you know doesn't see you know mom and dad not happy at all you know so and thankfully we only live five minutes apart and remained actually decent friends hmm. yeah you know, so you know sometimes you know you just gotta take that chance and 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 do it early <laughs> and when like you're saying when you know it's not there yeah i think as well it's it's worth remembering that you're for doing something because you think it's best for your kids your kids don't learn because of the things you tell them they learn because of the things they see you doing and mm-hmm. if you force yourself to stick with a relationship that you're not happy in and isn't working for their sake what you're basically teaching them to do is stick with a relationship that they're not happy in and that isn't working mm. that's why i like the that's idea of exactly mrs doubtfire it. mm. it's quite a responsible thing to to send a message to that to kids in the 90s of oh hey you know what divorce statistics are going up maybe this is a reality we can live with mm. yeah um okay so more fun uh, what are you most looking forward to everything like yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely... sure someone said everything last week. I think it was me. <laughs> I, I obviously I'm trying to remind. I'm looking forward to like 
you know, simple things like he's not too, Freddie's not too sure about slides at the moment. I'm looking forward to him enjoying slides. I'm looking forward to like going on holidays with him. I'm looking forward to going on walks. But if we're given that this is a geek parent podcast, mm-hmm. I'm looking for, I've already said, I'm looking forward to playing video games with him. I'm so looking forward to getting him into Star Wars and Harry Potter and the Avengers series and Lord of the Rings and James Bond and reading like he loves books at the moment like he like one of his favorite things is just sitting flicking through a book i'm so looking forward to getting him into to the type of books that i've enjoyed reading or that is you know his mum's an avid reader i'm really looking forward to seeing if he has a kind of a creative outlet i write in my spare time i delude myself into thinking i'm one day going to be an author and um, my wife used to draw and i keep in trying to encouraging her to to take that back up it'd be interesting to see if he has a creative outlet as well mm. like i'm just looking forward to getting him into all those things learning what he likes what he's obsessed your intro alex about you know the the stuff that they latch onto and then talk about over and over and over again <laughs> I naively am looking forward to that bit because I want to know what what excites them and what inspires them. And being a geek, being able to respond to that, you know, if yeah, I spoke, yeah. if I talked to my dad about, oh my god, Nintendo. I remember, I remember specifically, we went to New York when I was eighteen. Um, it was kind of a, uh, it was eighteenth birthday present, like family holiday to New York, long weekend. And I remember looking at the Chrysler Building and telling my dad that one of the gargoyles up there is the one that Spider-Man sits on and calls Bruce and gives and tells all his problems to. And my dad just had the completely blank face. Now, if my son tells me something like that, I'm hoping I'll have an in- equally interesting factoid to come back to him with. So. <laughs> <laughs> that Chrysler building was also the one that Godzilla smashed down in the crappy 1998 Godzilla. It got destroyed by a small meteorite in Armageddon. It was the Kingpin's base of operations in the Spider-Man 90s cartoon. It featured in Men in Black 3 and the Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's the one that Thor stood on and lightning struck him from the sky during the Avengers. I'm looking forward to the creations. Lily, like I said, she wants to learn to draw, and and right now she's on about being an author, and and like she's just always had that creative bent. And uh, same thing with the whole Spider-Man gargoyle and and whatnot. You know, my parents encouraged my creativity, but they didn't understand it. Like most things, the our parents just weren't part of that world, right? It wasn't uh, when I created a new transformer, it wasn't as exciting as, you know, like I kind of lose my mind when Lily draws something and it looks better than I could have possibly drawn at her age. It's, it's, hmm. it's, uh, and envy and jealousy, uh, gen- gen- <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm most looking forward to her becoming more of an active reader. Um, I could not get her to read to save my life. And so eventually I just caved and got her a phone. And my first, my initial reason for getting her a phone was I want her to be able to call me. So I got her a flip phone and tried to teach her a T9. And that was the most impossible task I've ever <laughs> faced in all of my parenting life. So I caved and I gave her my old smartphone. And within three days, she was reading. Ah, so she was like reading on the Kindle app or something? Or? She decided to that she wanted to have her Instagram account on her phone because previously it was on my phone. And I told her, of course, you can take ah. pictures because you're passionate about photography. Go for it. So she, you know, attempts it on my phone and she's she had been updating it a little bit. So I let her use Instagram and we went through and we followed all of these different cat pages. And I do filter what she what she's allowed to follow and what she's not. 
But as a result of that, she just kind of said, well, obviously, I'm curious about what's going on in this Instagram photo. And I want to read these captions and read the comments. So I'm going to do that. And it was immediate, overnight. And now she really loves My Little Pony comic books and Spider-Man comic books. I probably can't get her to read a normal book to save my life. But she's reading something. (laughs) I mean, I'm jealous, hugely jealous of, of my parents' generation. They got everything right, you know, those people who became, who became couples then. And the, you, you, the couples, that's another thing. You don't, you don't, nobody tells you this, that you get couples as friends at a certain age because of children. You know, your child decides they want to play with another child, so you have to meet the owner. <laughs> and have it round to your place to eat your stuff. Or go to their place where you can't relax because it's always bigger and nicer and cleaner. You're standing there in the bathroom thinking, I can't relax here. These people have no pubic hair anywhere. We have pubic hair on the ceiling. And they're so incredibly competitive, you know? All this stuff when you arrive. This is the hall, this is the kitchen, this is the living room. I know. This is the smeg fridge. The whole house is made of smeg. We're made of smeg, aren't we, Roy? Yes. <laughs> Julian's very happy in the local school, in the little grove, in the little arcade there, the little parish school. Multi-denominational, of course. Rastafarian nuns, Zen nuns, they're all there. <laughs> 18 teachers to a child, each one with its own laptop. <laughs> Direct access to the Pentagon. And I, th- I just think, I don't need all this competition, all right? I only came here because you said you had a fucking chicken. Erin is 15, so she's just getting to, uh, she just started high school. She's a freshman in high school. She's starting to, like, go to dances and um, have interesting, you know, conversations about friends and things like that. I'm really looking forward to the, I'm looking, I don't know if this is going to sound a little cliche, but I'm looking forward to the conversations. I'm looking forward to being able to see sort of vicariously experience the world through a 15 year old's eyes and experience things for the first time through them. Should he continue down the, uh, the path of being a geek? I really kind of, want him to get into uh, going to the cons with us. He's gone to a couple, and he keeps asking us, when can I go to Dragon Con? When can I go to Dragon Con? And I keep going, <laughs> not anytime soon, kiddo. <laughs> not with you know, with the hours that we keep and you know, some of the events that we go to. But, you know, uh, I-, I hope he keeps, you know, some of his creative streak you know, intact doing, you know, some of the things that we, you know, we do. Uh, Cause he, he's tried to learn some of, you know, making the costumes and uh, how, how does it come together and how, you know, what are some of the, you know, clever ways to do things, you know, because Jin and I are about as polar opposite as, as you can get in terms of how we handle creative tasks. So I want to see how that's going to pan out with him. Um, and that, that absolutely, you know, is, it, by far the thing that I want to see most. 
Matt, you inadvertently um, added an extra question, or at least an extra talking point, which I hadn't really thought of, but uh, it, it does sort of apply to something that happened recently to us. It was the mm. should he continue wording to be a geek. The other week, I was uh, I'd bought a whole book of like Star Wars related um, a visual dictionary for Lyra to read through, so that she could you know bone up on Star Wars because she doesn't so much love reading prose as she loves reading factual books and it, you know the, the visual dictionaries treat star wars like it's an actual world right and um i was you know like encouraging her to read it and she said dad i don't really like star wars <laughs> and it, after, after after you woke up <laughs> you, you joke but it broke my heart oh yeah. i'm sure it did because I remember when I was a, you know, when she was younger, I, I was trying to get her into the original trilogy, and she liked R2 and 3PO, and she liked Star Wars well enough, but she didn't like it anywhere near as much as she liked Ninja Turtles or um, Kiki's Delivery Service or The Lion King. She liked Star Wars well enough. And then in 2015, The Force Awakens happened, and she finally saw Rey just kicking wholesale ass and went this mm-hmm. is a star wars character i can love and she also by this point had always really liked star wars rebels and so she was finally into star wars and it was like thank you disney like all of that bullshit that i hear about <laughs> disney ruined star wars no they made it accessible no. to a whole new generation you're wrong um <laughs> and how scared of women you are but this whole, I don't like Star Wars. And I was like, well, that's okay, sweetheart. And I put the visual dictionary away and said, well, just, you know, go to bed because it's past your bedtime. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then from then since until now, um, I'll say, I'll be watching a YouTube video of Star Wars and I'll just go, I'll just turn this off because you don't like Star Wars. And I'm belaboring the point. What she really means is, I like some Star Wars, the stuff with Rey and Rebels. I don't like this old ass Star Wars. I certainly don't like the EU. I I have a theory, actually. (laughs) I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more that she doesn't have a, a, a decent way yet to express that she wants to be able to choose her own stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the degree to which she is into Gravity Falls I know. is... Oh, yeah. Her, she her is... geekness is not going anywhere. Well, that's the thing. Um, <laughs> but but that's Lyra. Mm. There may be other parents out there who are super geeks. Super geeks, the super geeking, yow. And they, their children are geeky growing up. And then, like I mentioned, that tween period mm. hits in. Which she is getting into. Which she's getting into. To be fair. And oh, I, I, am dr- I am dreading it. That moment where it's like being passionate about things is no longer cool. Even amongst the generation that have kick-started, you know, among, among millennials and then the post-millennial. What are they called? Generation Z? Uh, iGen. iGen. Um, who have... Uh, the new sincerity movement came from these guys. The, the whole actually caring unironically about something, even if it was super upbeat. And that, that you know that came from the millennials and, and iGen, but even then there can be kickbacks, and there could be a whole wave of Lyra being faced with a bunch of other school kids. Uh, I said, "Do kids? What are kids like? Do they like Star Wars at school?" And she said, "They like Harry Potter, a bit of Star Wars, but mostly they just like Strictly Come Dancing." 
<laughs> and I thought, what a boring ass school. See, when yeah. she comes home and says that she get she got teased or whatever because she was into such and such and they didn't think it was cool to get into such and such, all I can respond with is what I had to tell myself when I was at school, which is stuff them. Yeah, but that's the thing. <laughs> the pushback may be hard enough that they either go through a phase or push straight on into a very long, possibly permanent period of not liking geeky things and actually going out of their way to like only things that are very, very popular, even though geeky things are now very, very popular. They'll go, well, I, I like, I'll watch Marvel movies, but I won't, you know, care Everybody about rebels. Everybody rebels mm-hmm. at some point. It might only be for a fortnight. But, but that's the thing. We rebelled against like- a generation of very conformist generation, what were they, the, the Honey, boomers. We were rebelling against hippies. Yeah. At yeah. least we were in my Ex-hippies <laughs> who then became yuppies. <laughs> well, yeah. well, my mother was never a yuppie, but yeah. So my question is, are you prepared for the possibility that your kid will be really normal? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm normal trying... is a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to prepare myself for that because, yeah, like that, that ties, it, ties in with worries. Like, I'm not into the same sort of stuff my dad is mm. my dad my dad was massively into my dad's into trains and i like trains but not to the extent where i volunteer on a steam railway every weekend my dad absolutely loves fishing and he tried for years taking me fishing every weekend or every every other weekend and the clue was that i would take a book with me to read and that was that i just i preferred sitting on the bank and reading the book to actually fishing and i to this day i feel bad that i don't like fishing because it's something that dad clearly wanted to share with, with me and he got me he, that's the one who got me into james bond and star wars mm. and he still enjoys those and we still we still go to see we've gone to see every bond film and with the exception of last jedi we've gone to see every star wars film together mm. but that's the extent of his passion. His passion is like, yeah, like he likes going to see the film in the cinema, and if it's on the TV, great, I'll watch it. Or if it's family night in, I'm the one reading the books and having, you know, talking about fan theories and you know, looking for, you know, analysing the trailers and listening to the soundtracks in my car. For God's sake, hmm. you know, I, my passion for that those franchises goes far beyond. So I'm kind of preparing myself that you know what, reminding myself that I am the embodiment that uh, I am the proof that yeah, Freddie might not like the things that I like. And if he does, he might not like them to the same extent I, that I do. My con- bigger concern will be, I don't want to force him or to look like I'm forcing him to like, my dad never forced me to like fishing. As soon as I said, actually dad, I'm not really into fishing. He, he finally backed off. Like not backed off. That sounds like he was being aggressive. But like he kind of accepted that. Okay, right, fishing is not for him. I really hope I don't try to force my passions on Freddie because as much as I really want to share them with him, because I think that will give us another thing to bond over. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to try and dictate who he is. He will be who he will be. Mm. I think a general good guideline, and we did touch on this briefly when we we did the um, the other show before, was that. If you if you let the kids lead, you can't go far wrong. There will be things you do connect over and there'll be things that they're not that into and there'll be things they're into that you really aren't fussed about. And if you focus on the things that you do click on, um, you'll both get much more out of it than if you're trying to um, push on something that, that isn't a, a decent mutual interest. No. I meant to talk about something else earlier on, and I forgot what it was. 
I've remembered what it is again, but I've also forgotten. And that's really what adulthood is like most of the time. You know you spend a lot of time walking back to the room to get the thing that you left the room so that you would go and use it somewhere else, and on your way back to the room to get the thing, you forget not only what it is, but what room it was in. And you're faced with the people who love you looking at you going, what do you want, why are you here? And you go, I don't know. You spend an awful lot of time like that. And children aren't like that, and that, which is why they look so young, because they always have a sense of style and purpose. When they're walking around, they have a very definite purpose. They're walking and walking, and it's a great walk as well. It's not an adult sort of bemused shuffle. It's that, I'm going over here. You say, why are you going over there? Because I have a harmonica. What are you doing with a harmonica? I'm going to put it in the toilet. And <laughs> why are you doing that? Enough questions, goodbye. Because children express themselves. That's how they look young and vibrant and alive and why we all envy them. I recall very vividly when I was um, uh, in geography class and I mucked around for the last time and my teacher, who I think might actually have been... I, I, I don't know whether it was the headmaster or a different teacher, but I'm, I've, I've got this vague memory of when I was 12... And he looked at me sternly and was trying to control me so that the class would just, you know, fall into line. And he said three words which haunted me for the rest of my life. Pretend you're normal. And he was oh. saying it to shame me into silence. But what it actually did was make me just think, fuck you. And my father regurgitated that at me for years after that because they'd said, uh, they'd been told this in... Um, a parents' evening, that this is what I had to say to your son. And my father was fully up for the idea that I should pretend I was normal. And that was what I was rebelling against. The way kids went punk in the 80s was to rebel against their parents in, in the way, a way that they dressed in the way that would most annoy them. And I can understand why I would push back so hard against that, why the idea of normality would be repellent to me to that end. And like I say, I completely understand what he meant and why he said it, but the sentiment was very potent. And I'm intrigued at the idea that it would actually carry forwards for decades and end up turning right the fuck around the integer to Lyra trying to pretend she was normal because she's not a normal child. She, she's not an average kid and that's beyond fine. Again, it's a semantic argument, but I would pick up on the difference between normal and average. What's the difference between normal and average then? Normal implies an abnormal. Average is a, uh, it's, is somewhere on a spectrum. <laughs> then he should have said, pretend you're average. <laughs> yeah. Which point I'd have said, but you and I know that can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, what, what he meant was, pretend that you're not like you are. Yeah. Pretend you're just like everyone else. Crush that down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Fuck that old bastard. Hang on. <laughs> Fork that old bathwater. I was going to say so much for a clean show. <laughs> we'll be we'll be recording the clean lines afterwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 
Okay, goddamn cake sucker. I think we've, <laughs> <laughs> we've probably all experienced that to some degree, realizing that um, that there are people in charge of us who wish we could be a little bit more. Um, conformist and compliant and easier to handle it made it really difficult for me to get jobs through interviews because i'd sit there mm. and I'd, I'd try to convey as much normality as i could and they'd look at me in this kind of no there's something wrong with you way <laughs> no i'm afraid we need someone else for this position thank you for your time now go and fill out another form with another company and have it take forever did you get the overqualified line a lot? Because I did. I, I got. I think that when they rationalized it and told the truth, I, I got from one uh, guy. I just feel like you're gonna be with us for as long as you need to, and then you're gonna go. And I really need someone mm-hmm. who's here for life. Poor sod. <laughs> yeah. God, go and find yourself somebody who's committed a horrible crime and get it written into their parole. That's the only way you're getting somebody for life. Having said that, like he was so honest that I said, uh, "You're, you're right. That's that's what I I would have done. I figured that that's what anybody would do in a position of this kind." Mm. Yeah. He didn't want someone who would unreliably find something better for themselves, and mm. as a result, I got offered the position of very very few jobs. <laughs> Out of curiosity, on on the subject of swearing, uh, what is you all's swearing policy with your kids? <laughs> uh, I'll field that to everyone else first. Uh, James, uh, what do you feel about Freddie swearing? We are trying so hard. I didn't realise quite how casual a swearer I was until I had a child, and it's because mm-hmm. it's because I worked in a very kind of like laddish office um it was a very kind of schoolboy atmosphere at one of my previous places of work so i you know certain words obviously were kind of off limit but you know forks and sugars um were quite oh, uh, common shirts shirts forks shirts. And shirts were, forks and shirts were very very common um <laughs> and so and my my wife my wife has never sworn her family doesn't swear so it's definitely me letting the side down and my family are actually quite casual swearers and we're all trying to clamp down on it and we're trying we're, we're trying to do it quite humorously in the we're trying to train ourselves basically before he starts repeating words because he's not saying words yet um he's got shoe and uh sheep so one of them he's close to, which is why we need to cut down on that one. But we, it's silly things like, um, like my sister, if she wants to swear in front of her, like wants to swear in front of him, she'll quote SpongeBob, ah, Tadasaurus. Yeah. Or um, if there's the, yeah. there's a, the, the one that I'm training myself with, and I think I'm doing all right, is um, he's obsessed with a cartoon called Hey Dougie. Mm-hmm. And there's an episode of Hey Dougie where um, they meet a little army of ants and the, the soldier, the sergeant, and every time he's like realizes he's mucked up, he's like, "Oh, blueberries!" So everything's mm. blueberries right now, mm. and like to the point where Freddie will be in bed, and I will t- I'll be talking to Penny. He's like, "You will not believe what an utter blueberry I had to deal with today." So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one major tip I will give you, James. You probably know this one already, but there will come a time when Freddie comes out with something that that you you really don't want him to say, especially in front of grandparents or teachers. Do not laugh. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Do also I've been told not to laugh. make a big deal about it because Absolutely. then they know it's something Just walks bad. Let it, let it pass. But laughing yeah. is the absolute worst thing you can do because if they know that they can tickle you, they will keep doing it. Hmm. Yeah. The one thing I find most hilarious about Lyra's approach to swearing, though, is um, she will <laughs> ask permission. So if she's um, feeling particularly frustrated or stressed or in pain or anything like that, she will actually say, is it all right if I swear? And generally speaking, my approach is, right, I'm going to leave the room. You swear into your pillow as much as you need to, and then I'm going to come back in. <laughs> but she knows not to do it in front of, like I say, she doesn't She doesn't do it at school. She knows not to do it in front of nanny and granddad. We, uh, are, we are fast approaching the time when we can't use that's what she said anymore. Yeah. We've been, for her whole <laughs> life, we've been just sort of saying, that's what she said. Whenever she'll say something totally innocuous, I'll mutter that to Sharon, and it'll be a private joke. And occasionally she would go, who? That's what you said. I don't get it. And then she watched the whole of The Office and she kind of got what Michael was doing whenever he was going. That's what she said. But she could never really, like, tie up what that really entailed. Mm. But now, like... Now she knows what sex is and where babies come from. She is now starting to pick (laughs) up on what innuendo... Not necessarily what it means, but that it is innuendo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, People with older kids, how have you handled showing them more mature content? Uh, anything above a PG, <laughs> maybe. So, like any PG thirteen, uh, anything which, uh, including video games, um, that you actually actively wanted them to see, but it's not the sort of thing that's suitable for them. Uh, for for me, the parts that I get, I'd say squeamish about, are I would say really gory horrific deaths which scott has already uh, you know uh, said to me anytime a horror movie commercial comes on he's like no i i want nothing to do with this because mm. we're both very empathetic i mean i'm i'm the kind of person that if, if i see someone you know doing something and getting hurt i partially feel it i get that yeah. that Ping that rush i'm like oh yeah. empathy pains <laughs> um, yeah yeah that's horrid yeah <laughs> So that's one, and anything that I would say really objectification of women, i.e. Mm. that that whole Grand Theft Auto, the things with prostitutes and mm. things like that. That I'm still struggling with that, you know. And 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 I'm pretty, I would say, socially liberal. So none of that really, you know, uh, it throws me off. But you know, there are parts I'm just like, man, I am just not comfortable with that, and I don't know how to explain that to him. You know, so See, those are the kind of things I'm trying to shy away from. You know, for another year or so before we have the conversation of, all right, what does it really mean, and you know, what do you know, what is you know, the 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 true meaning behind all of it? That's ugh. what yeah, did that's... The, it mean when that man who's now running for president just said that in that yeah. bus? Explain exactly. that one to your yeah. girl daughter. The objectification of women is one that I'm slightly concerned about. Like in terms of, I say slightly, I am concerned about in terms of when I introduced Freddie to James Bond. My dad introduced me to the Bond films. I think it was like ten or eleven, and I watched them. And I watched them as you know, fun action films, car chases, gadgets, over the top villains. And I grew up. I like to think as a reasonably rounded person. 
when I married Penny, she was into the Craig films and she'd never seen the classics. So we went back and watched as many of those as she could stomach. And watching those, <laughs> watching those through her eyes, you don't, I'd never quite realised quite, I mean, obviously, yes, Bond girls, very heavily objectified, but, like, I never quite twigged to the fact that, like, Connery slaps a lot of them around, and, you know, Roger Moore is trying to break one of their one of their arms in their second film, like, and I never quite picked up on how bad it really was, and I, you know, I like to think, I have, I've grown up, I, I don't mistreat women, I don't agree with that that level of mistreatment so but i but then i can't also just rely on well if i show freddie this when when he's you know 11 12 then he's going to grow up absolutely fine so yeah I, it's weird because i do want him to enjoy those films but i don't want him to to learn the bad lessons from them i think with that it's it, timing is is quite key to that because as long as the values that you want him to have have already started to bed in that's what he'll respond with. I was really quite surprised that um, when Lyra saw the Bond films for the first time, mm-hmm. um, she immediately was like, that's not okay. And we we didn't have to tell her that. I told you this at the time, James. There was Which one was the pig Bond? All of them. She said she qualified all of them are pigs. That one's a turtle. Um, but, that one's but a turtle. She thought that Connery was a pig and Brosnan became a pig. And then... Mm. Craig was all right for a while. Like she actually, like when he cared about Vesper in in uh, uh, Casino Royale, she that she responded well to that. But in general, for a, a young girl, there's nothing in the Bond films. Not in the old ones. Not in the new ones. Oh, like gosh, maybe no. a more campy one. Like there's more. There's a lot more in Austin Powers mm. than there is in Bond. Yeah. At least Austin Powers will make her laugh. But Austin Powers is filthy. So it's really difficult to get that balance. So, I don't know. I'm still baffled as to how Live and Let Die was my favourite for so long. <laughs> but, and I'm just like, racism! <laughs> terrible! Absolutely terrible. But, I mean, I like, you know... Like you, that one. It is part of, of, of British heritage, and I completely understand why James wants Freddie to, to like it. I think there will be a slight detachment... Um, for, for, for modern day kids looking back on this like 50, 60 year old um, stuff happening. Yeah. I think there's, a, there's possibly a slight sort of, like you say about the detachment, that sort of, if you're watching old fashioned stuff that has sort of content that you wouldn't want them emulating, mm. but they can watch it with that sense of, oh, so this is how people used to think. We started watching a Rowan Atkinson stand-up earlier today, and it was uh, from, like, the early 80s, and he was, uh, like, you know... It was 91. 91, Jesus. Mm. So he was like, hello, I'm the devil. Welcome to... I love Welcome that. To yeah, I love that And sketch. he's, like, he's talking about people in the hell, in hell, you know, lawyers. Ooh, a lawyer joke. And he's like, the French... And the Germans and the British crowd are all slapping their thighs. And Lara turned to me and she went, did you just send an entire country of people to hell? I said, traditionally, the British have disliked the French. And she said, yeah, but that's not cool. Mm. She was like, surely he only means some French people, right? And I was like, no, I I think that that the joke was we hate the French so much. We laugh at the idea of all all of them going to hell. That was the 90s, was it? <laughs> it was very Just 80s. Next to this guillotine here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that, there were some great bits, but I think uh, she'd probably get 
like Mr. Bean a bit more than mm. Uh, mm. than like cruel. Like she doesn't respond well to cruel humor. No. I, I showed yeah. her a fish called Wanda a while back, and that was I remember reading that that was billed as cruel humour in the uh, Radio Times. And I thought, is it, not, is it that cruel? Yes, it really is. <laughs> he tortures him with chips and then eats his fish. And uh, Not to uh, mention all the things that happened to the old lady. And the poor dogs, yeah, jeez. She loves absurd humour, and the <laughs> way that gr- Gravity Falls is so perfectly pitched for kids in that it can present you with something scary and then immediately say, actually, it's not scary, <laughs> Uh, or, or, you know, th- these kids are still in danger, but it's a funny kind of danger. Mm. Uh, um, Alex Hirsch has a masterful use of, uh, uh, you know, being able to keep kids at ease. Mm. And that show is... Uh, James, when when he's uh, old enough to start watching stuff that has narrative, Gravity Falls and Avatar. Okay. They're yes. just the I still, I still haven't watched Avatar myself, so yeah, I'm happy to go through oh, that one. Oh. Well, Tony had never watched Avatar, and he and Liz sat down with this box set that I got them, uh, and uh, I've never been proud of that, that uh, we, we got them something that they ended up really loving in mm. the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the girls ended up demanding Cora as well, yeah. and I got them Cora for Christmas. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, nice. that's, there's some, was it 40 who was uh, saying, I will never show my kids uh, any, any of this new TV. It's Ulysses 31, and, and, you know, just all the classics from the 80s. <laughs> And there's, there's Mommy, some... Daddy, why is that robot's lips moving weird? There are Lyra's watching Ulysses 31 at the moment. Like, there was some really wonderful stuff from when we were kids, but there's better stuff now, and that's a good thing. Um, I do like the fact that Scott picked up on some Monty Python, though. <laughs> I think his favorite is still how not to be seen. I would say like Lara doesn't like cruel humour, but the one Monty Python line she always quotes is, Now I eat the banana! <laughs> Possibly because that's just absurd whilst being cruel at the same time. And going back to what I was saying earlier about like knowing that Freddie might not get into what I got into, yeah. like Monty Python is such an acquired taste. Like even even I I enjoy it, but even I there are certain sketches I just don't find funny. If you watch but it in is... chronological order and get a box set and actually start watching it from the beginning and watching whole episodes all the way through rather than select sketches, boy, can you go for a long time without laughing? Yeah, massively. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it did build up. To, it did build up to a great moment with um with my dad when they did the the final tour, the last ever tour. Mm-hmm. My dad and I went because oh. he's the one that got me into Monty Python. And so my, me and my dad went and they do all the best sketches and all the best songs. And at the end, there was just a standing ovation. And then you have the entirety of the O2 singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life together. And that was something I got to share with my dad. And I really enjoyed that. And that was a one-off. Well, okay, how many nights they did that tour? Hmm. That many off. But... And I just, I really enjoyed that. So as much as I'm like, well, Freddie might not get into what I got into, he might. He might. We might have something like that together. Absolutely. And it'll probably be something that just like catches you off guard. Like, you like the fish slapping dance that much? And he'll go, oh, it, it's a classic, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> the child, you know, the children are, are, can be incredibly uh, difficult to understand when you're grown up. You forget that you were a child. Something simple like a child going to bed. You know, you say bedtime, bedtime, bedtime. That's not what the child hears. What the child hears is lie down in the dark. (laughs) For hours. And don't move. I'm locking the door now. 
So the child has trouble with that, so of course you make a concession, you read the fairy tale or something, you know, all the wisdom of the world compacted into a little story, and you say there was a little girl lost many, many miles from home, walking through the woods, late, late at night with the creatures all hooting and howling in the bushes around her, stepping over the roots of trees, and she came to the old sty and began to climb it, but it broke, you see, it broke and she fell down. And the, but then when she got herself up, she was all right, and you could see the lights at home. And she began to walk towards home, and then a thing ate her. <laughs> Good night. Night, night. You probably sent the child to bed because you were just tired talking to the child, because the child asks you questions. You see, and this is one of the great things about having a child. You look forward to teaching this child about the world and how it works. But the ch child, children, the children, Children are, they're like children, but they're bigger and they're webbed. They, they, <laughs> they're not really interested in your views on the world. You know, they have their own questions. What, what is the name of the spaces in between the bits that stick out on a comb? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Well, what do you call the place underneath the kettle? I don't know! Bedtime, bedtime. <laughs> I would just add, in terms of exposure to media and things like that, I found as you know, having some older kids, the timing is an important piece in terms of when to expose that to them. But communication is also really important. I've been able to you know have my kids watch some pretty problematic stuff as long as we can talk about it, and it's like even as it's going, I'll pause the movie or the TV show or whatever, and we'll talk about it. And you're like, how, does, how do you feel about this? Do you understand what's happening? Do you see why this is wrong? Well, here's why this is wrong, and here's why they might have done the thing that they did and what that might say about that person. And I found I, I do this on positive things, too. Like on the car ride home from Zootopia, we started a dialogue about prejudice and biases and how that applies to the real world and, and trying to get the kids to think about just to think about the media that they consume positive and negative. One of the ways that I've gotten Lyra to be able to relate to the rest of the world is that everyone has a pain. Everyone has something that's making them do bad things, mm. good things. And if you, if there's a school bully, a Pacifica Northwest just throwing her weight around and being really obnoxious Ask yourself, what's it like for them at home? Mm -hmm. If it's a kid, then it's the easiest, like, straightforward. Something's happening to them now. They're being bullied by one of their own parents, which is making them kick downwards to other kids. Or they're, be they're either being neglected or abused in some uh, fashion. Mm. Um, or at the very least, they're seeing it yeah. happen to someone else. And if you then use that and move forwards, then you can apply that to why do you think Scar is being this horrible? And she can, you can then read backstory into all kinds of characters. Right. And it allows you to be empathetic. And there's always a point where you're like, yeah, but even if something bad did happen to you, mm, yeah, you're being... You need to stop punching me in the face now. There's <laughs> nothing that justifies doing this. Now you're just a, a sadist. Mm. But it does at least help you to, rather than just delineating people into black and white binary se sessions of good people and bad people, and, right. and, and, and it allows you to 
be able to feel that someone else has a life mm. and has stuff and going on. And the more of that is in the world, the better. One frankly. really important function of that as well is that you are able to look at a situation where you're being kicked down on and say, this is not about me. This is not because I'm worthless or mm. whatever this person's saying about me. This is nothing to do with me. This is all about them. <laughs> James, you said you got uh, one more question for everyone? I do have one last question, yes, and something I was hoping to learn from you guys. This is, I think, the biggest parental challenge I face going forward with Freddie. And I'm intrigued to find out how you guys handled this. Angry birds. (laughs) (laughs) The emoji movie. No, No. just say no. Good God, no. Um, oh, no, no, I'm not on that scale. I've already, foolishly, I've already told Penny, like, look, I will go and see the, the... crap that he wants to see in the cinema because I have a much lower standard of entertainment than no, you do. No, don't let him decide. You'll be going to see the boss, baby. They, look, kids have Twice. kids have no taste and they don't care that it's going to cost you £20. No, I know. No. Um, no, my question Netflix is... Netflix right. for that stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. My question is, how do you ensure or did you ensure that your child reaches the appropriate age to watch Star Wars without finding out Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's dad? You show it to them when they can barely comprehend stuff and you hope that they're paying attention when they see Empire. Because I tell you what, I was, I was 11 when I first watched those films and it was an incredible moment. But right, a, a friend of mine bought me a book for Freddie and it is the, the Empire Strikes Back epic yarns. So it's lots of little um, scenes from the Empire Strikes gotcha. Back. Gotcha, yeah. We, with dolls like knitted out of yarn, mm-hmm. and there's one word per page. So it's only things like Luke on a tauntaun, and the word is snow. Yeah. Luke running away from an attack, run. Mm-hmm. Darth Vader holding his hand out, join me, etc. The word is Daddy. father. Father, yeah. Uh, grab a permanent hey, marker. Yeah. Grab a yes. permanent marker and some Tipex, and, and then change that to baddie. That's his favorite book. It's like I need to. I need. I just. I. I actually, when I read it, when I read that book, I now just get to that page. I just say spoiler, and then carry on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, because of course he can't read it yet. Okay, he can't yeah. Read it yet. No, uh, yeah. no, you're absolutely right, James. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, go through the house and like I. I made sure that um, the that the last track on the Sixth Sense soundtrack uh, was called Malcolm. I changed that to simply Malcolm on iTunes just nice. because that what the hell are you doing there James Newton Howard uh, okay the, it is possible to scour the house and make sure that those things are not there Get not the house is it it's the playground it's the kids who've already oh, seen it just, or the kids who just don't care this yeah. has to be before the playground before then. school like yeah. um, in all seriousness yeah. just like show him Star Wars again and again and again just the first one until he's like R2 3PO R2 3PO Luke Leia and as soon as he likes Luke and cares about Luke and thinks that old Darth Vader is a baddie. As soon as he can comprehend that, he's old enough for Empire, Empire, and you can watch that with him <laughs> carefully. But he has to be able to comprehend that, and he has to be engaged. If he's like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll watch that. I, I showed Lyra the prequels as, a, as an experiment, and she turned her nose up at them. And she was like, why is Jar Jar so stupid? <laughs> <laughs> She had already seen the original trilogy at that point. Yes, yeah, I showed her the original trilogy uh, first. See, I, I never it's... had that Empire revelation because the first Star Wars you film saw I Jedi. saw was Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally doable, James. He's, he's 18 months right now. I would say in the next year and a half, you're going to hit that right age. So just experiment by showing him as much of that first Star Wars film 
as you I've can. I've already started a... laying the seeds. Where like I've, I've been showing him some of the lightsaber fights mm. on YouTube, like oh, including no, some no, of the people no, ones, no, and he just no, likes the flashy no, colors. No, I was even nope. No, you're jumping ahead. You are jumping ahead. Don't show like because if you show Darth Maul. And then you show yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi poking at him with his old stick. <laughs> yeah, it's no, not that's the same. not going to be as good. Okay. Show him that after the Darth Vader revelation when it's like, just, you know, fill your boots with all this other stuff. You're probably safe with preschool because most of the kids won't be able to talk well enough to communicate anything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah. From maybe four onwards, I you... saw Ghostbusters age four, so yeah. I think he can probably cope with Star Wars and like, Empire at that re- age. Reception age, year one. Yeah, and about that. you'll be all right. Yeah, okay. But but the, it does require you to hold back on other Star Wars stuff mm. because if you show yeah. him like Kylo Ren, and it's, <laughs> it's just too much, too soon, too much like Star Wars being shoved in you, like, in, like you need him to sort of funnel it, like get it so that it starts as Star Wars and then expands from there to Empire and all the rest of them. If you go look, there's all of this Star Wars stuff. That might be why Lyra was uh, a little bit kind of. Eh. Admit, she walks much into your Star office Wars. and she is literally surrounded by Star Wars. Over stuff. here you have the vintage, <laughs> over here you have the power of the Force 90s. <laughs> These are the FX lightsabers. This is my Han Solo blast tech. Mm, indeed. <laughs> Yeah, and um, in but, another thirty years, Lyra's going to do her own podcast, and my dad would never shut the bleep up about Star Wars. Honestly, she does she want to do her own podcast, YouTuber. and she wants her own YouTube channel already. And yeah. she, what did she say she wanted to do? She wants to eat sweet, sweetie versions of food and regular versions of food. So she'll eat jelly hot dogs and a real hot dog and compare them. Mm. And I'm like, <laughs> you're going to run out of jelly foods she wants to, really she wants quickly. To talk about her life in a way that people might find useful. Yeah, okay. She's got a bit of presenter in there, then. Yeah, so, yeah. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Right. Um, it's quite a teachable moment, though, in Kylo Ren, because it's like when a, a Han and a Leia love each other very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it will be a shock for him to go from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens. And then, yeah. and then event, you know, through on to... Uh, um, the uh, the last Jedi because Luke this guy he's only just gotten used to loving as this Avatar character for him he's mm-hmm. suddenly older than Granddad and yeah that's that's a shock to the system it was shocking to Lyra she was like oh what's wrong with Indiana Jones when she saw the fourth one <laughs> oh there was a fourth one there's not a fourth one she Very said good. I said he drank from the wrong Grail <laughs> <laughs> he chose Poorly. So yeah, it, it, that, that is actually in, in this day and age. It wasn't before. It is now. Uh, like more of a, se- a sense of like when these people come back and resume their roles and pass the torch to a younger generation. It's wonderful because you get Ray, but it's sad because you get Luke uh, and and mm-hmm. his um, his uh, sendry. Yeah, that spoiler question is a is a significant one now as well because it's not just Star Wars. There's loads of other stuff that has oh, yeah. twists that chances are some kid is going to tell them the end of something, oh, but yeah. they're still way too young to really watch it. I showed her the usual suspects jumping over the really good. That's the thing with with mature stuff. I do show her that stuff, and then when I know that there is a, a shootout happening in just a second and where some blood gets splattered, I go right. Can you just go in the kitchen? And I fast forward it a little bit, and then we go back to the aftermath. Mm. Homemade TV edits. And I, like, when I know that there's going to be a lot of swearing just coming up, I go, Listen, 
The day I decide to become a crime-fighting <laughs> with a bunch of other little whiners at the Neverland Mansion of some creepy, old, bald, Heaven's Gate-looking man. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> that day! <clears throat> Just, just over the bits that I know is going to be like that real swearing. Kind of like what the BBC did for us. But we also make sure that they know what's going on, which the BBC and ITV did not do. They made incoherent <laughs> films out of classics. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Um, but she's, she's got very self-regulatory about um, like sexy stuff as well. If she sees people start canoodling on screen, she's like, I'm Whoop, not looking. I'm going over here. I'm, I'm just... And she covers yeah, her eyes but, before leaves the room. Like, people bandy around that whole, he's a ghost, he is Kaiser Soze, so much. And doing that on YouTube when there's a whole new generation, or even two, watching mm. who haven't seen these films, is like, you That's are being me. really inconsiderate here. I mean, hell, it's, it's hard enough for us to avoid spoilers as adults, because everything is just yeah. thrown at us via social media and yeah. Facebook and like um, Penny and I are absolutely massively into Game of Thrones, yeah. and Penny had two or three of the biggest things of the last um, the last series mm. just shown to her on her Facebook feed. Brilliant. Oh, cheers for that, guys. Yeah. But you lose so much of that natural human panache that children have. You know, you tell the child to go to bed, and it puts that against what it wants to do, and synthesizes, and says, I hate you. I really hate you. As they're scratching their arse with a toy elephant. Now, if you could retain that sense of self in your adult life, you'd have a totally different experience. At work, telling your boss, I hate you. I'm scratching. I really do. Every day is the same fucking shit. I don't know why I keep coming back. Difficult to keep a hold of, though. That's why adults are confused a lot of the time. Adults are terribly confused, messed up people. That's because they forget, really. They don't have to pretend all the time. Really, the fact is, you're not an adult at all. You're just a tall child holding a beer. <laughs> Having a conversation you don't understand. The Middle East, yeah, I know, it was really bad. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that, yeah. <laughs> Hysterectomy, very painful. The shoulder is a very painful area. <laughs> Being intimidated. I get intimidated by men, by other men. You know, we were talking about the driving lessons. There are guys talking in pubs about machines and cars. There's a whole culture of that. They're talking about the granumbulator on their whinny wax of the car. And then they turn to me and go, what kind of car have you got? I go, I don't know, but when I get one, it's going to be a blue one. <laughs> I think we're done. Um, this has been an absolutely fantastic show, guys. Thank you so, so much. No, cheers for having yeah. us on. Like the other guys went too early, so we can't find out where they like, they can be found. I, I will put where they can be found in the show notes. But uh, for for you guys, where can you be found? Starting with James, uh, I can be found at gamesindustry.biz if you're interested in what I actually spend my day doing. Um, but I'm also on Bond and Beyond podcast. Uh, we're bondbeyondpod.tumblr.com, um, and we're available on all good podcasting platforms. I can't believe I didn't suggest. Like, there is a way to get him into James Bond, of course, and you know it. <laughs> Bond. James Bond Jr. No one can stop him, but scum always tries. Young Bond cuts through each web of spies. He learned the game from his uncle James. Now he's a
James you know Bond Jr. Try and track some of that down. It's got Walker it's, D. Plank in it. It worked for me. That's how <laughs> I started. It's uh, it's yeah, it's a it's, it's, it's a totally classic '90s cartoon. Uh, honestly, the, the the dreck we got handed in the '90s—it's amazing we like animation at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, thank God for Batman. Okay. Um, I, if I remember rightly, I was in, into the Zelda cartoon and the Mario cartoon before we even had a Nintendo. Yeah, me too. Actually, <laughs> uh, the first. Excuse me, princess. Game. Excuse me, princess. Okay, so actually, uh, Lyra is really getting into. Um, uh, link between worlds at the moment is she yeah, oh, nice. she's uh, she was very proud that she like she played it for a bit and then abandoned it and then eventually came back to me and said actually I've gotten really far into it now in a kind of you know I, I did this on my own I don't didn't need any help or any guides she definitely does things more when we don't push her yeah yeah she's very willful um Jesse where, where can people find your stuff um, mostly my personal Twitter, which is just at the Dapper DM. I am about to launch a podcast mm-hmm. called Recording or uh, Recorded Tomorrow with my friend Jonathan. We're going to talk about time travel and how to use it in uh, narratives. You've uh, mentioned this to me many times before, actually. That I have, yeah. and it's almost ready. We've got three episodes recorded mm-hmm. and uh, edited, and I'm just getting the getting all the wheels rolling to actually get them get them hosted. I forget. Was it you who uh, uh, commissioned the Donnie Darko episode? Yeah, that was me. Did it help at all? It um, it convinced me that I should probably give it another shot at one point. Basically, what it w- the conclusion I came to was that all of the problems that I had uh, with Donnie Darko were like there, there, and because you you basically called out all the same things that I called out, right. just that maybe they weren't as big of a deal breaker mm. as they seemed to be for me. What was it? What was it? Uh, what were your problems originally? Or, or? It just, it, it seemed, everything just seemed incoherent. Nothing really seemed consistent. It felt like, it felt like the writer didn't actually know what was going on. Mm. And was, I think the, I think the words that I said before was that he threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and then was taking credit for the narrative that fans put together. Nice. Okay, and that is it. Was did that then feed back into the director's cut where he was like, "Let me explain the science of this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll just—it sounded like he was talking out of his ass. Yes, yes. right, Richard. If you mention the word midichlorians at this point, nah. this pistol is going in your ear. If you want to hear really pompous Donnie Darko fans, and we'll we'll, we'll read from their journals, uh, listen to our Donnie Darko episode. Of course, it's <laughs> it's the uh, na- the natural progression of this one. Um, it was a great episode, by the thank way. Thank you, thank you. We do try. This one's actually a commission episode as well. This uh, this this double episode extravaganza. This started Ooh. as an episode, and I waited and waited, and I couldn't work out how the hell we could do it. And it was just going to be Sharon and I, mm. and we mm. were writing so many copious notes on how to do it. And then I then I started turning all those notes into a book. And it was like, right, I'll just keep writing this until I've got enough stuff in there and then I can release it. And that's how to raise a geek child. And I was just suffering <laughs> from this anxiety. If I don't know how to raise a geek child, I'm, I can barely raise my own. And I, I, <laughs> Sharon constantly tells me I'm a good dad and I, I, uh, I, I, I veer back and forth in feeling that I've, um, shown her too much too early or, uh, like, pushed her or not pushed her at certain times and uh, leaves leaves her with certain quirks of her personality 
And, mm. but, you know, she's just such a lovely little kid that must have done something, right? But I still feel that it ended up so much better getting a lot of you guys to mm. say it rather than just us. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's no... This is the thing. There's no one perfect way. Yeah. Nobody is a perfect parent. Yeah. But... Everybody has things that work for them, things that haven't worked for them, and that's going to vary from family to families. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like just like there's no perfect parents, there's also every kid is going to be different and is going to react differently to different things. Absolutely. So stuff that worked really well for you may not work at all for somebody else. Mm. Whereas the things that you know, the things that I tried might have a better or worse effect. Mm. And she has said to me actually now that I've mentioned it several times you're the best daddy in the world which just melts the heart and i have to not so much correct her but qualify it with i'm the best daddy in the world for you Mm. if we had to if i had to switch with someone else's kid i would not be the best daddy in the world with that kid (laughs) and that other daddy would not be the best daddy in the world for you so uh yeah um it's just it comes down to like spending quality time i suppose but you've also got to get some distance sometimes when Con- because uh, when connor says that uh sometimes i just tell him he's biased <laughs> <laughs> Do everybody so so um what's the word putting themselves down about self-deprecating it. Embrace <laughs> it yes you're right i am <laughs> no no because i didn't want to come on and, and just be like well my child thinks this because no. ultimately i have to marry that up with my own anxieties over I'm, not of over, over feeling deficient and um I, i've had this I, I've had this reverse yardstick my entire parenting career of thinking I do not want to be like my father. I want to be like James's dad. He sounds great. Um, <laughs> and uh, do you remember whenever Josh talks about his dad, it's like now they have a great relationship. And I would far rather l- learn from people who are better at it than look at the shit that I had to... Uh, contend with growing up yeah Yeah. i think that's the part that i struggle with most is Mm. i'm trying to compensate for all the bad things that that i I had to deal with with my dad um you know and am i too lenient i mean and sometimes i really wonder i'm like man did my dad drink so much because he couldn't handle being a parent you know he couldn't handle life Mm. you know it's it's a weird way to go you know, go through things when I sit with Scott and, and he's like, well, so did your dad and you ever do this? Um, and I, and I have to honestly say, look, I think my dad like physically touched me maybe, you know, like two or three times I can ever remember, you know, <laughs> it's, it's weird. So I'm trying not to swing the pendulum too far, you know, to the other side. It, it's trippy as hell. <laughs> The the insecurity and confidence thing is is something that we all have to deal with. We've got you know artists talk about imposter syndrome all the time in terms of like am I you know at some point somebody's going to find out that I'm a terrible artist and parents are exactly the same way. Like we all the whole time you know I've been for 15 years wondering like how have I gotten this far? I I don't know what the hell I'm doing and. You know, I'm just, is it just, it's got to be just sure coincidence that my kids have turned out as well as they have. And it's really important to to be able to self-examine and to have that anxiety, but also to recognize like, no, you are doing a good job 
you know, the you 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 can do this and try to instill that confidence in yourself. Agree. Yeah. Well, I just drops Mike. Um, Matt, where can they find your stuff? Um, the personal Twitter is uh, Scrapper Ferret, but um, the stuff that Jin and I do together, um, basically the same on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jackal Costuming. School of Movies is brought to you by you. You guys who support us on Patreon, you keep the show going. Big shout out to our top tier patrons. Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Nick Ord, Sarah Montgomery, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finn Barnacolt, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, David Garcia, Abril Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisholm. And I'm going to leave you with a clip from a movie directed by Ron Howard called Parenthood, my very favourite Steve Martin film, which all of you listeners absolutely have to see. Whether you're a parent, or you're thinking about being a parent, or you're never going to be a parent, it's just a great film, and very relevant to what we're talking about. And this speech is delivered by the late, great Jason Robards as Steve Martin's distant, emotionally inaccessible father. All right. Thank you guys very, very much. Uh, we will be back next week. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And school's out. What's up? I need your advice. Wait a second. My, my head is spinning. Come on. Uh, Larry needs $26,000. Our gamblers are going to kill him. Jesus. I'm supposed to decide whether to give it to him. And you want my advice? Why me? Why now? Because I know you think I was a shitty father. Thank you for not arguing. And I know you're a good father, so tell me. What would you do? You got that kind of money? I got it. It's going to hurt. I wanted to retire next year. This will put that off for a while. A long while. I never should have had four. You know, when you were two years old, we thought you had polio. You know about that? Yeah, Mom once said something. Yeah, well, for a week, we didn't know. I hated you for that. What? I did. I did. I, I, I hated having to go through that. Caring. Worrying. Pain. It's not for me. And, you know, it's not like that all ends when you're 18 or 21 or 41 or 61. It never, never ends. It's like your Aunt Edna's ass. It goes on forever and it's just as frightening. It's true. There is no end zone. You never 
cross the goal line, spike the ball, and do your touchdown dance. Never. I'm 64. Larry, 27. And he's still my son. Like Kevin, your son. You think I want him to get hurt? He's my son. Hey. Oh, I'm all right. I'll figure it out. Hey. Who's to say who's a shitty father? Kevin's in therapy. We got called to school last year because Taylor was kissing all the boys. Justin keeps ramming things with his head. My career is in the shithouse. You worry too much. You always did. Grew fussy once and she summoned me Not sonically, but through a series of editorials That she authored, entitled This MC friend of one of the worst fathers Oxford, Stanford, Harvard called She call him back Tuition and housing, I'm holding out for a candy check Distracted by her first birthday party I hardly noticed that she brought peace to the Middle East Or at least a ceasefire with the POTUS No dust had settled when she disproved her mat By finding A cubed plus B cubed That equals C cubed in her sadness At throwing the field into disarray Got a sway by a brand new rattle in a mid-parfait Genius, baby. At first, I was elated, but eventually, I grew concerned. Bizarro genius, baby. You proved my genes a grade A, but what of when tables turn? She had to settle for the fields, metal, but didn't settle well. All the while, cursing the indiscretions of Madame Nobel, then so well, tucking out was she at this point that she napped. Arose with the whole symphony composed in B-flat Yes dear, it'll go with the other ones on the fridge And between the two Puccinis you translated in the bridge Just above I love you dad In macaroni glittering The 37 villanelles to mom But I ain't bitter and no quitter was she neither With the time it came to walk Built an exoskeleton out of gelatin and char Which allowed her to run 30 miles an hour around the yard You think parenting your normal little children is hard? I got scarred 
scared, scared for that The holographic artifacts that she projected on the scene With a machine that automatically discerns your worst concerns And makes them visible She deemed it risible Her glee was indivisible From all emanations that the baby would make I had to become less hilarious for all of our sakes I made mistakes, I'll admit it Dropped the kid on her head Destroyed the part of it, the thought of evil But so she said, now I've read this thing out myself in part She quoted, read what you sow I had to take it to heart I sought to restart I said, girl, you'll be a woman Can't be dabbling and dilettanting all the time I'm assuming, gotta pick a theme Focus the beam, your brain power Her face became overcome with an insane glower And then it remained sour She said, oh, Though the UI that you gave me was buggy I finally found me the nav And I'm dialing in a career path I think you like stops playing a play with an 808 And with a mic Didn't need her to elaborate at all She was already wearing the glasses Mike and the Paul She planned to become a nerdcore rapper just like me So I shipped her to Singapore Sold her baby ass to Nike Bizarre, bizarro Genius baby Sorry baby You work for them now Bizarre, bizarro, bizarro Genius baby Stitch them tight Bizarro genius baby At first I was elated But eventually I grew concerned Bizarro genius baby You prove my genes a grade A But what a Children sleep in your bed. This is part of having children. It's very important for a child's development to sleep in the grown-up's bed because their, their bones are growing in particular directions. You see, what happens is children are actually very sophisticated. They sleep in your bed for a reason. The child is born, it takes a look around, it thinks, well, this isn't quite what I'd hoped for. <laughs> These people are idiots. I wouldn't have painted the house like this at all. But I've got to make the best of it. So how do I... I've got to maximize my resources. So the key thing is to stop these people having any more children. <laughs> so children get urine samples sent through the post and sprinkle it on their beds. They're busy people. They don't have time to feed the beds themselves. And then they crawl into your bed. And because their bones are growing and everything, they can only sleep in certain positions, obviously. The crucifix and the swastika tend to be the most popular. <laughs> Sometimes a combination of the two. <laughs> but the thing that really relaxes a child is to have the big toenails lodged squarely on your respective genitalia. That ensures a blissful night's slumber. Then the sexual kidnapping is complete. No touchy-touchy, no kissy-kissy. You two need lots of sleep. I have many questions for tomorrow. <laughs> Very important. 